It's day two of too many gat bang lists. Here with your pals at the SoxCast. We are back for another gargantuan-sized dosage of the absolute best games that we and our lovely readers and listeners played in the year 2020. And this is it! Guys, can you believe we've done this seven times now? No, I can't, honestly. This is the seventh time. Is it really? This is the seventh time we've done Game of the Wait. Year. It absolutely is. We started in 2014. Our first one was at the end of 2014. Yep. I counted them down earlier this earlier today. Like, wait, how many tiers is it? It's been seven. Fantastic. We've done, we've done seven. It's astonishing. We will have listed 210 games. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole three. bunch. It's hard to count how many actual, like individually, how many games show up are represented in seven of these. If you count That's our true. lists we and listen oh, to fuck around a lot. God. And, and like this year in particular, this year in particular has been a big one for podcasts because like by the end of all this, we will have released 43 individual podcast episodes more than likely by the end of all of this. So that's, that's just nuts to me. That's the most we've done in any single year. But I guess, I guess if you're going to have a pandemic and have podcasts, yeah. like that leaves you a lot of time to get around to doing those podcasts because we knocked those Marilyn Manson podcasts out pretty goddamn fast. I know that start that started so slowly and then you yeah, started then, really <laughs> thinking about Yeah, like when, it, when we got into it this year, it was literally like one or two a month. Oh, Lord. I'm glad that's behind us. Oh, boy. So the podcast got a little dark by the end. It, it did. It took a dark. It took a dark. It took a dark turn in the middle, and then it just kept turning. I was on the one kind of bright light episode. Yeah, you. Yeah, you got lucky. <laughs> you got lucky. Thank you. Uh, so this uh, today is going to be the top half of our lists entries five through one, and it would probably yeah. behoove us to uh, go ahead. And start getting back into things. So, Rhett, I want hey. you. I want you to help get things kicked back off. I need me a listener list. Okay, this one comes in from Ryan. Hey, I know Ryan. To, pa- to Polly, Rhett, and John, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of these has to mention how much they didn't like this year. Well, I, I mean, understand. look, man. Games and shit and having these podcasts are they were literally our only escape from the madness that consumed us. It really was, yeah. 2020, it was a bad year. It was a bad year for so many reasons, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy some games this year. Not necessarily an amazing year for games for me, but I'd say it was a pretty good one overall. Good enough that deciding what to ultimately be in my top three was hard. I could easily put together a top ten if pressed. In fact, I may even disagree with the currently written top three by the time this podcast goes up, <laughs> but it is what felt right to me when I finally got around to writing it. With with that out of the way, onto the list. Uh, this one will come as a shock to John. Number three, Ocean Oi. Here we go. A sequence of brilliantly tuned, fi- tuned battles that, that further showcases what a, an RPG maker game is capable of. 
The battles are intense, strategic, and nail-biting, with a pitch-perfect sense of dis difficulty escalation. It does its thing and is done within 90 minutes, which is refreshing in a world where games are often expected to be bloated monstrosities. Number two, Yakuza Kiwami 2. This one's hitting all our notes. Mm. This list is yep. uh, a fantastic entry in the Dragon Tail saga of men with big feelings and how living in Kamurocho <laughs> is like a hurricane. It sports one of the best villains in the series as well, as, reli as well as reliably solid and entertaining sub-stories as well as some noticeable refinements to the Dragon Engine that was introduced in Yakuza 6. The balance of melodrama and absurdist comedy that the series is known for is in top form here, with some great emotional beats and legitimately hilarious moments. Is it better than Yakuza 0? Can't say for sure, but it's close. And number one, Wander Song. You know, my, my uh, little uh, game of the year from last year. Yep. Uh, a wonderfully optimistic game that doesn't downplay the darkness that comes in life. It makes a strong case for not succumbing to it. Boy, that really does sound like a 2020 game. Man, huh? yeah. Like that, if there's a game we needed in 2020, it's Wonder Song. <laughs> played it a little <laughs> bit too early. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well. As someone who worries about being good... too... As someone who worries about being too negative despite being justified in some of that negativity, this is a game I'm glad to have experienced. Its message is shockingly relevant in the year where things just seem to keep getting worse. This, along with the fantastic sound design, results in a game that is something truly special. I'd also like to give shout-outs to the cast for singing this game's praises on last year's Game of the Year podcast, which is a big reason why I ended up checking it out this in the first place. Hope everyone stays strong no matter how bad this hell world becomes. Sincerely, Ryan. Yo. That game had a fantastic showing in Game of the Decade as well. I'm really happy with how far it went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like seeing... I, I like that ocean noise on multiple lists. That makes me happy about our podcast. <laughs> well, it's it's yours. It was on yours. And yep. this one. But John gets yeah, to say multiple, though. It doesn't matter. Let him have it. Let him have I it, Ryan. I one. <laughs> And all, agreed on all points. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I believe John has the next listener list to read. I do. I have a list from Narf, the person that um, made specifically made reggae operation. Right. So <laughs> nice. Um, first one. The Seventh Saga, Ooh. often heavily maligned for its difficulty, the Seventh Saga is a fascinating RPG for its unique embracing of random aspects. Despite this, I actually feel that some of the increases in difficulty help the game fit its solemn and tragic aesthetic better. And overall, it's a very interesting game. This is um, the deal here is that Seventh Saga was altered for the U.S. release. Yeah, um, yeah, where it got way, made way harder so people can beat it on rentals. Mm -hmm. um, and then Narf over the last month has played through both the original Japanese version with patches and that's and the new and the new version and compared them one to one and oh, did a bunch wow. of tweets comparing them. It was very cool and very fun to watch. One of the uh, speedrunners I watch, PJ DeCesar, he's, he's, spe he's one of his career speedruns is uh, speedrunning the Seventh Saga all characters. And it's just, I, wow. <laughs> That's, isn't that just playing the game eight times? Yeah. PJ is kind of nuts. That's very good. But, it, but hey, man, he's That's like, and he genuinely loves the game. So it, it comes from a place of love. Yeah. And just, like, he has seven copies of the game for different purposes. <laughs> I have a friend that um was the person that made uh, Sreka, who did Ocean Away, mm -hmm. who played uh, Seven Saga as a kid and then just has started a little clubhouse over the last month, over all of December. 
trying to get as many people to play Seven Saga with them as possible. <laughs> so I've seen like twenty or thirty friends. That where, like, is just a bunch of people jump into Seventh Saga. That's it's wild. Watch. That's so wild. <laughs> so it's just this this kind of offbeat old SNES game just getting this complete huh. reappraisal and reactions. It's you love fun. to see it. It's like if like everybody was suddenly playing Arcana, and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> nice. All right, continuing Narf's list. Umineko no Nakukura ni. Mm. Although Higurashi is a better realized and plotted work, Umineko gets bonus points for its sheer ambition and metatextual nature. Whereas Higu is an excellently done story with some points to it, Umineko continues the tendency of amazing characterization and... and Lives that feel and lives that feel lives, real and yeah. slams it into a world of magic and mystery nonsense that somehow works, even if its med- messaging gets a little frayed by the end. Cool. And then finally, make a good Mega Man level colon episode zero, a bonus game in the continuing collaborative fan service, um, fan series. Episode zero has a lot of heart and uses its new remastered main character to supreme effect. A combination of tons of differently conceptualized levels from many authors, um, a very unique feeling gameplay system compared to usual Mega Man fare, and some actually pretty funny writing combined to create a game that I was very happy to see this year. This is a very funny premise. This is the third game that's basically like a bunch of different. Um, it's like like ten like like twenty people coming together and making their own Mega Man levels, and then they all get smushed together yeah. in one huh. like four hour game. <laughs> And the the main character of the of this one is the final boss of like the second game, who is the joke is that they have like the silhouette of Zero show up, but then it shows up and it's this pile of trash <laughs> <laughs> that's just shaped like Zero. So that's the final boss of it because that's a big trope in Mega Man fan games having Zero show up. Yeah, end. I appreciate so, this uh, a lot. <laughs> Yes, so that that brings me joy. All right, that's Narf's list. Nice, cool. Also, Umineko coming back this year. Oh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? So, Rhett! hey, you're, it's your time to shine. Mm. Hit us with a number five. So I had a lot of trouble ranking the middle of my list because sometimes there's a game you really like, but there's some stuff you don't like about it. Yeah, like. A lot of these coming up were mixed bags where it's like, well, there's, I really like it, but yeah. So ultimately I did kind of lean on the leaning towards the positives. Mm -hmm. Uh, My number five is Splunky two, which is a game that I really feel could have been a lot better. Yeah. This is like, if I had to choose a disappointment for the year, this is mine. There is that. Like, I still really, I played a lot of this game last weekend, even after deciding it was going to be number five. Like, I didn't do that to uh, boost its rating or not. But I was just like, hey, I still feel like playing Splunky 2. I do not dislike this game. Mm-hmm. It is just, mm-hmm. from where that first game stands for me, it is a disappointment. Yeah. But, like, also, my first week with this game was just pure fucking bliss. <laughs> and. Just like Aww. discovering every, I had such a good time. Even even if the actual answer to like what's at the bottom of this cave was actually kind of disappointing, mm. like getting to experience a new Splunky that hadn't been you know data mined and exp- yeah. examined to death, like that was incredibly fun. And, like having no idea what the world next world would look like. Yeah, like that's still that was still a cool part of the experience. 
Yeah. And then I fi- I did get to the uh, the super not the super secret one, but the secret last world, mm-hmm. and then die immediately. Nice. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> 30 seconds, but, like, all I did was kind of look around and then very cautiously <laughs> dead. I was just like, oh, oh, that's a thing that cool, cool, cool. Nice, that's deadly. I'll remember that the next time I get here, one year that's, later. That's deadly within two tiles, that's new. Sweet! But it was like, there was literally nothing else that could damage and then the first thing got me. <laughs> but, it was, but it was more about, like, okay, I've gotten good enough at this game to where that didn't feel like this insurmountable right, right. obstacle that it did before. Like, I'm getting much more consistent. I can get the tablet pretty much every other run or oh, something. Oh, cool, cool. But, like, it's always there's always something that goes wrong in this game, and that is, you know, part of the <laughs> that, addictive nature spelunky. of it. And I do think the updates they've made to the difficulty, well, it's definitely not, like, easy now mm-hmm. it feels a little bit more manageable like world one isn't as fucked as it was and the olmec fight is like actually fun now oh whoa really so yeah i don't know how much i should get into the nitty-gritty but basically he does not shoot bombs forever anymore oh good he'll do three volleys for mm-hmm. a total of nine bombs and then he won't shoot anymore until you break the things on his bottom oh good okay that so works you- Yeah, so you have to be much more active in that fight. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I I really like that game. It's just it's not Spelunky One. It will never hit the way that that first masterpiece did. Spelunky One is literally game of the year material. Like that Spelunky One was one of my game of the years on the side. I think it was like 2013. I was like, yep. Like that's yeah. Like that that's undeniable. Yeah. So, like, I understand the hype for this one going in thinking, like, ah, oh, this is going to be my game of the year. And then, you know, oh, it's number five. Like, and that's kind of reaching a bit. So so I can see how this would also be your disappointment of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I... It just mm-hmm. feels real fucking good to play. It's like, still Spelunky. Again. It's still got that Spelunky feel. It's yeah. still got that Spelunky snappiness to it. It's yeah, the, overall, it the overall structure and shape, number six, of the game... Yeah. That I just don't like. I just don't like the the structure yeah. of it. It's like they fixed things that I wanted fixed and then broke new things that I didn't yeah, think were yeah. wrong before. And that's weird to look at. Yeah. Like, well, you you did some stuff. But anyways, yeah, I like that game. John. John was taking a drink, probably. Alright, number five. <laughs> I'm here. Alright, number five. Gotta turn up the vocal fry a little bit. Alright. My number five. My number five is going to be Ranso on Quest for Hikari. Yeah, yeah. buddy! Yeah, <laughs> wallow in it, baby! Wallow in it! Let's have it! It's so fucking good, y'all. <laughs> I told y'all, told y'all this, this is the most fun I've ever had with a smut game. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, one that is very much owning being smut, I should say. <laughs> yeah, it's like, very it. much owning being oh, smut. Oh, it, it more than owns it. Oh uh, yeah, it does. It's just extremely funny. Yeah. I just really vibe with the whole sense of humor. I really vibe with the with the emotional arc that it takes you on, <laughs> especially through the finale. The thing, the thing from listening yeah. to you talk about the series is that it is more than just a series of porn scenes. Yeah, like that. It is the story and characters yeah, in the there's, world. There's things going on here, and the people making it obviously care a lot. They're not and they care shitting about the this out. Like. This isn't being just shit out. Oh, this is it's very lovingly made. It's it does it really does feel like evil Falcom. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that existing. I mean, these come out at roughly the same uh, rate as these games. Because they yeah. started in like 88 or whatever. Yep. They are now, contemporary with the original ease. Yeah, and this is specifically, I, I played the remake of 1, which came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. I played the much less um, revamped update of 2 from 2009. And then I played mm-hmm. the original 3. And I really loved all three. But the, the ways they updated 1 were so smart. Um, and just like breathing a bunch of extra text and life into these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and God, it's just, it's just joyous. It's just like, I watched the, I watched the OVA in like 2015. It was like, Oh my God, this is the best hentai I've ever watched. And then, and then I finally, the, I'm like every six months since like Googling rants and like, Oh, maybe I should get into this. <laughs> and then I do that. And then I find out, Oh, the one that was that the OVA I watched was based on just got localized two days ago. I can go home today and play it. Like that's just a, an amazing stroke of luck. Yup, it was it was on the election day too, so it was perfect. That's extra. Wow, like the perfect thing you would need. Mm-hmm. Stroke of luck being the operative word. <laughs> um. <laughs> So I've now I've now bought um, every Rance game. I have I have um, no that doesn't count much. I, I I got the collection of one and two, and then I got the physical copies of six and seven. So mm. I have those. They're very pretty, especially the seven release is very pretty, gorgeous. Um, I am very excited to dive more into this world. I I had a friend go like I never thought I'd see you get into Rance, John. Well, and I said. It's a fun historical PC RPG series with good music and a sense of humor and really, really mean smut. It hit me just <laughs> So is this the first non-con VN I put on my Game of the Year list? No, it's not. Is it the second non-con smut VN I put on my Game of the Year list? No, it's not. No. Is it the third? The third. Kind of arguable. <laughs> Depends on how you categorize one of them. It's either the third or fourth. Will it be the last? Probably not. <laughs> You got a brand. You've got a brand to so uphold. That, so that's where we're at. I fucking love this. I'm really excited. I've got four downloaded. I'm at the ready. I'm I'm at the ready to shoot off whenever. You just I'm got excited. one in the mail the other day. Yeah, that was seven. That was seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was se- that was seven. That's the one that everybody really likes because that was the first one that got fan translated, yeah. and they still have not localized. The next one they're localizing is eight. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. <laughs> like after like 15 years later. Hey man, it's gotta happen at All some right. point. Oh my god, I'm so I'm so jazzed. I'm so jazzed to be a part of this world because they've got eight, nine, and ten coming out, and ten is the last one. That is the climax of the story. Jesus. Like, oh shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to watch this play out. It's gonna be it's gonna be my my personal little Trails of Trails of Cold Steel. <laughs> I was thinking more like this is your Yakuza. Little... I'm thinking it's more like my Trails of Cold Steel, Rhett. <laughs> But you're gonna play Trails of Cold Steel. I am. Yeah. I mean, if this is my, but this is my personal one. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> so, hey, do y'all have any questions? <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think I get it. Like, I understand Ronse from. I understand what this is, and I'm happy that it has its audience. Hmm. I am too. Polly, Yo. what is your number five? My number five is the winner of the prestigious 2020 Title Screen of the Year Award. Oh. And this goes to Hunt Down 
Hmm. <laughs> I wonder where this would play. If there is a game, if there is a game, there's two. There, there's two games on my list this year that I'm going to be the champion for. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, the, the the game that I championed hard was was I the Somnium Files, and that game was mm. my game of the year, and that game also did really fucking well in Game of the Decade. Yeah, mm. the community. The community really got behind that game, and it ended up at, like, 11, which is astonishing to me. But I'm getting behind two games on my list in a similar way, because mm-hmm. I don't think that these two games got enough love. And the first of this list is Hunt Down. Um, this is a game that I went from seeing, like, 30 seconds of gameplay on a stream to immediately running to see where I could buy it. I was just that immediately entranced with what I was seeing. It's a it's a running gun action platformer with just that just oozes attitude and style. Uh, it feels it feels like a lost Amiga game that got ported to Mega Drive really well or something. Like it's just it has a sense of style, a pace. Uh, 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 an attitude. Just everything about it comes from this mid-90s European computer world. Um, And I've not felt a game capture it that well ever. And this is the first time I've felt a game that have captured games like that in such an honest and and, 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 uh, uh, a pinpoint way. Um, This game's got just so much charm and quirkiness. It's uh, it's it, it's super aware of itself in, uh, as a retro throwback title, and it's kind of just like reveling uh, in a sense of satire that really kind of puts you in mind of like the first RoboCop movie. If that's kind of like if you need sort of a touch, if you need a touchstone of kind of where this game's attitude is, like look at the first RoboCop and like how that is a great piece of satire. Um, and that's kind of what you get with Hunt Down. Um, this is just an immensely satisfying run-and-gun game where everything blows up real fucking good. Like, the exp- there's so many different explosion sprites that it's ridiculous. Like, I think they probably just spent a year making explosion sprites or something. <laughs> that's this, my kind of game. This game has all the artwork. Like, if you go look at this game, screenshots, every screenshot is so densely packed with detail that it's like you need a second playthrough of the game to go back through and appreciate everything that's going on outside of the ridiculous action that's going down. Um, but th- th- it, this game is just, it's, God, this game made me feel so good playing it. Like they're, they're, Like, it's got these... Um, it's got these small levels that are just quick and crunchy. Then you that that they, and they all end in these really just very simple pattern-based boss fights against like human-sized enemies most of the time. Um, that kind of like they're they're a little bit like Mega Man fights, but they're more restrained in that you can kind of find the pattern and work within it real easily. But they just got a lot of heft to them, um, and it's sort of like Valferis in the way where. All the guns feel super punchy. 
like the way your character moves they've got some heft to them so that like when they hit the ground or roll around there's just that right amount of screen shake and that right thunk sound effect they make when they hit the ground it just feels real good uh a lot of great one-liners in this game characters are always saying just real dumb <laughs> just one-liner action movie bullshit um the the end of the world boss fights are incredible like they're just big ass set pieces that feel super good um and just go over the top wacky in ways that are just like i i, I can't believe i'm fighting a hockey goalie right now <laughs> and he's the size of a building oh <laughs> beautiful it's ridiculous like you, you you fight a wrestler like halfway through the first stage and he's bouncing off the ropes and doing moves and just like throwing out the randy savage voice the whole time brother it's so good <laughs> i mean this game like there's so much love that that sh- that went into this game like every every ounce of it is just oozing with style and character and, and, and details and sights and sounds to take in. Uh, the, the team worked their ass off on this game. Um, and, and it really, really shows. And I, if you need a really good run and gunner in your life, like I know I've already talked up Val Ferris and I absolutely stand <laughs> behind that game. Uh, but if you want something, it's maybe like five bucks cheaper, but still like just on that level of like this, this tickles me a lot. And I will be playing this in the, like for years to come. I know because I just like how it plays that much. Um, if you need kind of like a better like idea of how it feels, it's just sort of like Metal Slug, Contra and Blackthorn. If anybody remembers Blackthorn, mm. Mm-hmm. Blackboard comparison is what made it like stick for me. I was like, oh, I see what I see what it, you mean. Yeah, like there, there, there's like there's some cover mechanics that you can use. Um, just like yeah, and it's got the same kind of like enemy setups where like every enemy is like its own little like like they've got one or two things they do, but they're their own little puzzle box or they kind of add something to the mix in, in a neat way. Like they did a lot to make sure that every every level is its own unique and fun and rewarding challenge. Um, just along with the fact that it's so brilliantly presented and it's, it's, it's tone is so on the fucking mark. Like that, if a game has ever been more aware of itself and knew how to capitalize on that, I don't know what it would be off the top of my head. I know we've probably talked about a good few of those, but we'll add this one to the pile, uh, and just being so remarkably self-aware to the point to where it's smart enough to know how to use that, and also just be an incredible feeling action game. So Hunt Down. I think looking at Hunt Down Mm -hmm. and Congress, um, back to back, Mm -hmm. um, it gives me an appreciation for how you have an appreciation for like of a, a nice varied styles of run and gun. Yeah. Like you, like you've come to the podcast with a bunch of different games in this games of this type over the years that are, have diff- completely different approaches. Yeah. And I just think that's neat. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a genre that I'm very deeply appreciative of. It's probably my favorite genre. Um, so I, I think that like having that variety and, and being able to like see people play with like a very simple concept, like a character running around and shooting things. Like it's a very simple idea, but there are so many interesting, small, subtle ways you can play with that, that just come down to something as simple as how the character feels like the arc of their jump can change how a game feels dramatically. 
Um, so it's a lot of those little things. It's like how the weapon systems play with one another and things like that. Like, and, and Hunt Down's got a lot of meat on its uh, meat on the bone uh, to play with, uh, just as much as Valferis does. So they're just they're both doing something really unique and fun, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they're both worth they're both worth a look. So love that. That's my number five. That's Hunt Down. I've got a listener list. This one comes from our good pal. You know him. You love him. It's our good pal, Beepy. It's old Beepner. All right. These games are listed in what I assume is no particular order. Yep. So we got Digimon Cyber Sleuth. Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have seen myself buying a turn-based RPG with Digimon in it before picking up Cyber Sleuth, but positive word of mouth nudged me toward the purchase. The comparisons to Shin Megami Tensei are overblown. What this game does offer is a solid battle system and complex monster raising. If you can get around the lame story, inconsistent difficulty, and retreading the same generic maps over and over, you can almost see the skeleton of a decent RPG here. Maybe someday I'll actually finish the hacker's memory side of the story. Yeah, it sounds like people kind of fell off on the hacker's memory side uh, Mm. from what I've uh, seen of people playing it. Up next, Panel de Pon. I usually sour pretty quickly on falling block puzzle games that cheat like hell past the second stage, which is why I never actually got into Puyo Puyo. <laughs> I hear that. Panel de Pond is something more akin to Puzzle Fighter, a tough but fair challenge that can go to hell really quickly if you aren't thinking ahead or RNGesus frowns upon you. A pretty game with cute fairies and relaxing music, which I unfortunately can't attempt to play at high levels since it since it began causing me actual hand cramps. Ouch! You play a game so much, it gives you hand cramps. <laughs> and finally, Doom. I can't think of a more appropriate game for the for this hell year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've played Doom in unbrutalized form, although I'm still using a modern amenities uh, that the G- that the GZ Doom source port affords. I've been trying various wads, having played through all of Freedom and bits of Chex Quest and others. One gets the sense that there are as many mods for Doom as there are James Brown samples in hip-hop. That's not wrong. I know that I tend to burn myself out when I gorge on repetitive FPS action, but given the state of the world right now, I'll roll along with whatever fills the void. This is solid. Like, Doom is always a good time. Like, I even went back and played through, like, the first two episodes of Doom 1 this year, just because, hey, it's Doom. Doom feels really fucking good, y'all. It's real good. I hate that there are two games called Doom now that have both showed up on the list. I keep thinking it's the new one. Oh, no. No, he, he's specifically speaking about 19. No, I definitely, I definitely saw that, but one, especially when you know mentioning wads. But like when I see Doom in all caps now, I think of the new one. Mm-hmm. Just funny. All right. I had I had um, multiple friends deep dive like various Doom wads this year as just like huh. a way of. It was fun watching people like really connect with the bounce off mm-hmm. different styles. Just kind of looking at that scene from the outside has been very satisfying. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that game has, like, almost 30 years of modding now. Yeah, like, it's got 30 years of content that, like, man, you can buy Doom for five bucks, and you've got content for fucking Forever. You Like, you'll never run out of things to play around with. And Doom, Ed, it's easy to make your own shit. 
Like, it's not hard to make Doom maps. I've done it. It's fun. Cool. It was a fun thing to learn. I liked it. So... Sort of the... Yeah? The early 90s. <laughs> the ZZT. Oh, yeah. The ZZT. Sure. We'll go with that. So, Rhett, I understand that you have list. a listener list. I've got a list. This is it's three games. It's, mm-hmm. it's from Mary Ken, who... Um, Worked. Who's um, one of the people that worked on Video Pulp, which is on my game of the decade? Oh, list. nice! Oh, nice! nice. Okay, okay three game, three games that I like this year for socks make people sexy by Mary Ken S. So I'm just going to read this in order. Number one, games by Snake Andrews. Jordan Mallory said on Twitter, "I I want shorter games with worse graphics made by people who are paid more to work less." And I'm not kidding. Yes. I'm not kidding when I say games by Snake Andrews are my games of the year. Fantastic. <laughs> Though I'm a bit concerned there may be conflict of interest seeing as, as I have commissioned a few games for them, such as Beaver Teeth for Geesbrecht. <laughs> and yeah, that's another important point. Game devs haven't really gotten onto commission onto commissions as much as other online artists. Under Snake Andrews' April Ghoul pseudonym, they make hyper trash, hyper disposable micro games. We need more tiny games. I've had it up to here with 100-hour time sync holes. I'm Take, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I played the one they mentioned. It's literally just you drag a mouse cursor around to brush a beaver teeth. <laughs> Fantastic. I have an idea for a yeah, funny micro down. game I'm probably releasing this week. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, one I'm going on. down 113 glorious train wrecks entries. That is fantastic. Nice. That is glorious. Okay, continue. Okay. Take Sexy VR, for instance. It's like sexy hiking, but you can hit a rock forever or accidentally kick over a katana and slice yourself in half. <laughs> these these are the games we need. Absolutely. Truth. Number two, Moon Remix RPG Adventure. I've been excited for this game even before the localization was announced. I was always a big fan of the myriad of post-Lovedelic works. That's the developer. Yeah. Chibi, Chibi Robo probably being the most of interest to me. I downloaded the soundtrack and eagerly awaited the now-abandoned fan translation efforts. The soundtrack is a really big deal in this game. There's about 30 in-game tracks you can play in most areas using a playlist system, and it's an interesting multi-genre selection. I don't want to spoil a lot, but the game is an interesting and early subversion of JRPG tropes. The characters are fleshed out to agree, much more than whatever is probably going on in other PSX stories. A bird takes you to a distant island, but also wants to learn at a secret night college. My one major gripe is that some puzzles are obtuse, and in recent in- interviews, the developer admit this flaw. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, there are walkthroughs for that kind of thing. I highly recommend this game. Unfortunately, it's Switch only. Yeah, bummer, bummer. But I'm I'm playing that soon, like after the new year yeah. at least. I yeah, yeah. Moon is definitely another one that all of us unfortunately missed Should out on this year. That's <laughs> definitely showing up now. Yeah, like I have a Switch now. I have a, I have access to a Switch now, so I have no reason to not. Nice. Mm. And finally, number three, Dark Souls 3. There you go. I finally played Dark Souls games this year. I liked the original in 3 a lot, but I liked 3 a lot more, if only for the PvP being a lot better mm. than the first, which usually just involves backstabbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, despite the combat being better, there's not much choice in progression that everyone loves 1 and 2 for. I think even after 10 years or so, after the first Souls game, the online system feels so interesting. My friend and I would face interesting invasions together that you don't really get in traditional multiplayer-focused games. I appreciate the aesthetics a lot, too, having an interest in romanticism and symbolism. 
I like Dark Souls 3 so much that I got a PS4 just to play Bloodborne. Oh, wow. Cool. So, I believe that brings us to Rhett and his number four. Oh, my mouth is going to be dead at the end of this. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It always is. read most of my long ones now. So this is a game, my number four. I never would have ever imagined it would make it this far. Hmm. I bought it like a year or so ago. Well, more like two years now because I played it in January. Hmm. And then I just it fell into the backlog and I was just like, oh, well, there's you fucked up. There's 20 bucks here <laughs> on a game you're never going to play. And then the mood hit me and it became my number four game of the year. My number four oh, is man. Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Hey, <laughs> hey! If a Mario yeah. game is gonna make it to a list, I if want an it to be Ubisoft game. If, if an, an Ubisoft. Ubisoft game is gonna make it to a, a list, a rabid game. I want it to be this. <laughs> so basically, at the start of the year, I was listening to the Giant Bees cast a bit, and Vinny kept mentioning XCOM Two, which you know was the number two game of the year for me. I love that game. Right. And I was like, man, I really want to play XCOM. 2. I really want to play XCOM again. And I realized, oh, I've got this thing. They say it's basically knockoff XCOM. I'll play that instead. And yeah, it's it's basically XCOM, but it's just really cool and fresh. And, you know, <laughs> it does unique things with the systems, like being able to jump off your partner and bounce on enemies. Like, it's Mario'd like... up in appropriate ways. Yeah. The So in, Over- in, uh, in XCOM, you can set your guys to do Overwatch, Overwatch, which is to, like, scan the area and take a shot when they see an enemy move. Every single time Mario or Luigi do an Overwatch in this game, which has a different name, it makes me laugh so hard. Don't they just whip out guns? Luigi has a fucking sniper rifle. (laughs) So good! So having the enemy jump out of cover and make a move, and then it goes into slow-mo, Luigi like, I got this one, and then boom! (laughs) It's funny every single time. And like all the almost all the status effects in this game make enemy moves because they're like there's like bounce or oil or (laughs) fire. So like anything you do that makes an enemy move will then also trigger the Overwatches. So you'll get like (laughs) so one one character shoots an enemy, they set on fire and start running around, and then immediately goes in slow mo and like Mario and Luigi start popping off shots (laughs) because. Mario's Overwatch can up be upgraded to like three shots, so oh he's just like bam, bam, bam. God. Like, fuck, this is it's so silly, and like the pre- the presentation of the game is top notch. Like, there's just some light puzzle between the battles. It's not like the whole strategy thing that XCOM right, has. Right. Like, there's these insane cutscenes before most of the major bosses. Like, there's one that's just a big opera, and this. Ghost is like singing, or this, it's a giant rabbit. It's not mm. obviously not a ghost. It's a me, you know, like oh I get, I forget the line, like, God. it's a me, let's go. Those are the only words you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so just make kind of making fun of Mario, but like right. in a really endearing way. <laughs> I like the whole lead up to the Mecha Bowser dragon fight at the end is insane. Oh, God. Like, Bowser they put more like really cool it looks so cool it's like cooler than the it's cooler than the actual mario games which is like 
that they that they go so hard with it at times. Yeah, yeah. And then, so the funny thing about this is, I I'd wanted to play an XCOM game, so I played this instead. And then immediately afterwards, I was not full for my strategy fix. So I played a, a real Fire Emblem game and just completely did not really have a good time with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then I played an actual XCOM game with a Chimera Squad. Chimera Squad, yeah. And then bounced off that. And then I went back to this one and bought the DLC <laughs> where, where you get to play as Donkey Kong. Yep. So, like, I went back to it several months later just to play all the content. So, like, it definitely deserves its spot near Absolutely. the top of my list. Absolutely. Jeez. It, it's such a random, amazing Switch exclusive. Yeah, I'm happy. Dope. I am so happy that this exists and it is as yeah. good as. And, it's, and that it's really good. Yeah. Like, completely unironically. Yeah. So, that's my number four Fantastic. Mario Plus Rabbids. John. Well, uh, my number four is going to be one I haven't talked about on the podcast much at all. Oh, okay. Uh, My number four is going to be Melty Blood Actress Again Current Code. Mm. Hey, you know what? Melty Blood, it was pretty good when I played it back in 2006. I bet this is probably (laughs) pretty good, too. Uh, Yeah, it's probably close to the same game. Yep. Um, So I... (laughs) I've been playing this game regularly with Toby about once a week, give or take, um, for about four months. Nice. Nice. Um, it is the most I've gotten into a fighting game. Like, you just kept bouncing back and forth, each getting better and learning extra things. Um, I, I posted on Twitter the first time I got an arc drive finish, which felt really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just been closely learning characters and i got to the point where it's like all right i played for three months as this character i feel like i know them pretty well let's try out some new characters and now i'm doing that and that's very fun and i'm like oh wait i can just keep doing this if i want absolutely um, and it's just like oh shit i'm actually i i connected with a western rpg this year i connected with a fighting game this year like i play i i had a couple of good spiels earlier this year where i played a bunch of arcade fighters and that was a blast um but this was like doing the competitive one-on-one deep dive thing. Yeah. And still a lot of fun. Um, so this is French bread. This is their big thing that got them. They do Undernight in birth now. Yeah. Um, it is based on the Tsukihime universe and characters, which is also <laughs> a blood. <laughs> um, Have you played this Neko arc? Yes, I've, I've, I've sampled most of them. I mostly play. I mostly play Satsuki because I love her. Yeah, of and course. I've yeah. done some. Co- you just like those broken um, ass throw hit boxes, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it feels so good, y'all. They're so <laughs> wrong, man. It's criminal how big those hit boxes are. Those hit boxes are as big as the knife guys in Streets of Rage. <laughs> She's oh, teleporting the enemies into her arms. <laughs> It may look wrong, Polly, but it feels so right. <laughs> um, and the animations are so cute. There's they, they oh, there's um a Garden of Sinners stage rat, and you can play a Shiki in the newest version, which is also fun. I definitely sampled um, this a long time ago, but yeah, Shiki was definitely not in the game back then. No, she is now. Um, so. It's just really fun. It makes me want to play other fighting games, maybe. Mm. But it also makes me want to just keep playing Melty Blood regularly for as long as it feels right. 
because the the community edition um there's a free download on the subreddit for the community edition and the net code just runs good there you go it's just fucking good you're gonna take it all the way to evo <laughs> obviously um but didn't Oh man, didn't the French bread game get into Evo, but not Smash specifically because the netcode was really bad for Smash? Yep. Yeah, I think Undernight got in. That's... Yeah, Undernight and Birth got. Um, yeah. yeah, that got uh, that got in, but uh, not Nintendo. Oh well, it's just oh, Nintendo. Chef's Chef's kiss, right? Delicious, so good. Oh, it sounds so. Sweet. I. Oh, this I may be totally. This may be totally wrong, but I think Undernight actually got in last year as well. At the expense of melee, and people were like fucking flipping it. <laughs> oh. oh, that that may be entirely wrong, but I don't think it was just the online only Evo this year. Mm. Yep, that's real good. Um, I I'm really this is just it's it's new for me. It's playing a competitive playing a competitive game, and instead yeah. of all this story shit, I'm actually <laughs> it, the way the way it it works in my brain is that when I'm losing, it feels like I'm fighting a really hard boss in an action game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I'm winning, it feels yeah. like I am the really hard boss in the action <laughs> game. <laughs> just all, I'll just be, like, playing for yeah. an hour, just losing constantly. It's the same, like, good brain candy of just, like, trying over and over to kill that hard, hard boss. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, this is so fun. Oh, I, I love this. Having someone to play against regularly like sounds really awesome. Yeah, like that well. definitely like, helps. I think that's a just, huge thing in fighting games is just learning from the person you're yeah, fighting. Yeah, just, just fighting against them. AI is not gonna cut it. Yeah, I mean that can get you a lot. That that got that I appreciate a lot of fighting games doing that. But this this is a new kind of play experience mm-hmm. that I'm really enjoying. Yeah, and I think that affords it a spot this high is just like oh you have. This and Queen's Wish were the games that kind of opened up my brain to a new kind of fun playing games. And that rules. That's very cool. So, so Polly. Yo. What is your number four? My number four. So, my number four will go Mm. down as a defining moment in history, uh, I think. Um, It is a moment when we all had to face a cold, hard reality. Uh, It is a truth that changed all of our lives forever. <laughs> it sullied the fabric of this socks cast that we know and love forever. It uh, is the moment when it was revealed that yes, I can, in fact, be wrong. <gasps> my number four is Celeste. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I forgot that was the, you know what, Polly? This was such a fucking year. I honestly forgot that was this year. Yeah, yeah, it's been so long. This was back in February. February yeah, this was the this, before times. This was February the twelfth and thirteenth, to be exact. I played this over the course of I replayed this game over the course of two days before having to go get two teeth extracted. Oh my god! So I went in like you know what? It did it did good though. It made me feel better going into that. So Aww. it was actually cool. Um, so um, the the only way that I can look at this game is kind of like, much like uh, you know how Hollow Knight kind of dropped the mic on exploratory platformers. I feel like yeah, Celeste definitely. is a, a hell of a mm-hmm. statement in terms of uh, platforming feel and mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like the the only thing that even comes remotely close to how this game feels in motion is Super Meat Boy, and I feel that. 
this game's extra gravity and and the ways that you the, the, the levels are constructed around this very simple uh, ability set that your character has. Yeah. I feel it's just a bit smarter. Um, like, yeah. I, it, it's also from the person that start, that did the, a lot of these with Jumper in like mm-hmm. the early 2000s. Yep. Yeah. Turning around and dropping the mic on the genre like 12 years later. That fucking rules. Yeah. To me, it's like Super Meat Boy is kind of like Super Mario 1, where it's very sl- loose and slippery on purpose. Yeah. And then later Mario games and then Celeste are much tighter. Oh, I yeah. think they do feel better overall because of that. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and going back to both Hunt Down and Val Ferris, your character has a bit of weight to them in this game, and it makes <laughs> you feel really, like, tangible in that world, I think. Uh, it's just the right amount of oof that makes you uh, makes it makes it feel real good yeah. when your character slams down after like a series of hefty jumps and you get to take that breather. You feel the weight lift off of you, and just like the animation squash and stretch, like There's everything so... just works together. It's yeah. so subtle, but it looks really cool. Yeah, like it's just like little stretch and warp tricks that are being done with the sprites. It's not like, yeah. to my knowledge, they're not just changing sprites. They're just playing with code and stretching them a bit to give yeah. them a unique look. Um, but um, just kind of like the, the, the way that like those really smooth jump mechanics work their way in and out of this really diverse set of gimmicks uh, in every level. Um, like this is a game that literally keeps going for a hundred hours. If you want to engage with all that stuff afterward, oh, God, like it's, it's such like, it's such an, an easy suggest, right? Like, it's such an easy recommend. It's just like, it's like, look, it's value. Like, you pay 15 bucks, you're getting, like, hundreds of hours of content if you want to engage with it. Um, and that's to say nothing on top of the story that, like, I think speaks for itself at this point with regards to being stuck in a rut, crippling anxiety, finding ways to turn the worst in ourselves uh, into something more positive. Mm-hmm. Um and this game just knocks it out of the damn park uh, in a way that it, it was completely lost on me the first time. Like, uh, like was mentioned earlier uh, in a guest list, like this, like I completely just deflected off this game the first time. And for some reason in February, I was just like, I'm going to play this again. I'm going to give it a go. And I went way out of my way far more than I did the first time. Like I was finding B side tapes, stars. Um, and like, I, I found over a hundred strawberries this time. Whereas the first time I think I literally, like I was like, I quit after like 30, uh, (laughs) on my original file. I was like, fuck this. Just get me to the end. (laughs) Um, which is not how you want to engage with this game. I think that yeah. going out of your way and finding those little hidden nooks and crannies really prepares you for the challenges that come ahead at the end of the game when like you get thrown into a literal gauntlet. Um, but yeah, uh, believe the hype. This game is as good as everybody says. I was wrong. I'll admit it. <laughs> I love it's it. wild, though. It's wild when I read that listener list that mentioned how you bounced off this. I was like, oh yeah, last year. <laughs> And, like, everything before March 10th or so... It truly... Feels yeah, like a, it just it's just an extension of last year. It's a different world. <laughs> yeah, like, live, living in the world we do now, 
I guess play I played the, I played this game before the world went apart. So I guess I went into I went into the world falling apart with at least uh, a decently positive mindset and a positive experience. <laughs> it certainly made going into the dentist the next day feel a lot safer. I guess. Wild. <laughs> All right, John. I do believe, I do believe you got a. I do believe you got a listener list for us. I sure do. This oh. is from Admin Six Three Four, who always comes in with stellar lists from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is Zero Ranger, the most inventive shmup I play with melee combat that gives me that DBZ meets Toho vibe. I've always believed shmups could provide me. The requirement to reach true end was one of the most brazen things I've seen a game do, and it provided the greatest high I've gotten from a game all year. <laughs> Frank is one of the people that actually stuck through and experienced the whole of Zero Ranger, and when you do that, mm, <laughs> there's certainly a lot to it. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, number two, The Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky, the third. Wow. Maybe- we got a okay. list here. <laughs> yep. Maybe the most special game I've played this year. The third is the best RPG I've played that uses and explores a large cast of characters. It's a novel way to end a trilogy, especially one which ends on a, such a personal and small-scale narrative as this one. And the weight of the moment when you say goodbye to these characters is something I'll remember forever. God, man. Uh, I can't even hear people mention that moment in passing without it fucking hitting me. It's still, still, yep. still. Yep. Ugh. Number one, Ease 8, Lacrimosa of Dawn. I want Ease 8 to find a distraction during a time of intense grief over the disappearance of my oldest cat. And to my surprise, I walked into a narrative about grief, loss, and how to move on, both on a personal and epic level. Besides being a good game with a thematically tight narrative, Ease 8 provided me multiple moments of catharsis that I desperately needed to emotionally move on from my loss. Mm. I've had works of fiction inspire me during rough times, but I've never had one carry me through such personal heartbreak. I'm thankful to Ease 8 for holding my hand during one of the most difficult times of my life. <sighs> That's a damn good God damn! The, the listener lists are so fun. They're bringing the heat. I told you that one was going to knock you down, Polly. <laughs> damn. All right. Well, so I've got I, a listener list. My- at my game of the decade list. <laughs> I know. It's just like a good <laughs> good reflection, I think. Yep. Alright. I've got a listener list here to read by our good pal, Poncho Smith. Longtime listener. Longtime listener, longtime community member. We know him, we love him. He get, he get, he doesn't like our games most of the time, but we forgive him for it. <laughs> Greetings, Soxcast denizens. Well, we've made it through the wilderness. Somehow, we've made it through. 2020 will be remembered as a challenge to many of us, to say the least. But I just want to say to each and every one of your listeners out there, you did it. You fucking did it. You gritted your teeth, dug down deep, and you did it. Improvised, adapted, overcame. Even though there's still a long road ahead of us, just making it this far is an accomplishment in itself. So give yourself a pat on the back. Now that that's out of the way, video games! I played a few of those. Let's talk about those for a bit. Number three. Okay, guys, rough year. I think I've earned the right to treat myself here. Third place is a tie between Streets of Rage 4 and Hades. 
Streets of Rage 4 doesn't quite reach the same highs as its 90s entries did, and yes, it could have stood to push things forward a little more gameplay-wise, but it's still more than scratches that face-punching itch I'm sure we all have. As for Hades, hey, any game that has their protagonist working through their long-simmering daddy issues in a healthy and constructive way is one that speaks to me on a primal level. That's sol more solid Hades recommendations. On the story. <laughs> On again. the story! Number two, Trials of Truly, Mana. Is, right, right. Number two, Trials <laughs> of Mana. The original Seiken Densetsu 3... The original Seiken Densetsu 3 was a game that I never played, so I had no real nostalgia or expectations when I went into the remake that was released this year and hey it's a pretty solid package so i had no real nostalgia i had no so uh, oh, it's a solid package okay there we go your mileage i your mileage with the voice performances may vary i always listen to dubs but the character roster was a blast to work with and i have no issues tearing through the game multiple times to see what kind of damage i could do with a diff with a different lineup of heroes i'm relieved that i played at least one square enix joint that wasn't a janky broken frustrating debacle i'm not petty i swear <laughs> i i wouldn't know what he's talking about <laughs> hmm. number 1 i like people, I like people, uh, I like people have trials of mana since that game looked really dope and then it's mm -hmm. nice seeing seeing some recognition for that one on the list yeah, like the, the this remake has been pretty universally praised from people that I know that that have it. So, mm. and number one, another vote for Persona Five Royal. If you're thinking I'm going to the well again on this game just to have an excuse to get it on the next game of the decade list, well, I wouldn't say you're wrong. <laughs> But you know what? We all need a pick-me-up this year, and sometimes Malibu Stacy's new hat is just the thing to get you through. <laughs> but seriously, the gameplay refinements, additional content, some banging new tunes, make it worth the return trip. All right, list over. Here's to a marginally better 2021, and you can all take solace in the fact that Persona 5 Strikers won't end up on my list next year. Probably. Maybe. I'm almost like I see I almost want to put a bet on that it will, but I know that he's the type of person that would intentionally exclude it. He would do that. He'd do that. He's he's not <laughs> petty. He's not petty though. <laughs> Love you, Pacho. <laughs> so we're gonna follow that up with another audio list time. This time coming in from our good pal. And, and awesome community artist, Carmichael McCallis, in three, two, one, play. Hey folks, Carmichael McCallis here for my top three games for Sucks Make People Sexy Game of the Year 2020 Sucks Cast. Number three, Littlewood. The world is saved. Now it's time to rebuild it. You played the role of the hero who saved the world in Littlewood, though you can't remember doing such a thing. The gameplay is a mix of farming sims and city planning. It was basically what I was after in game. Cute, calm, and slow-paced. Another nice touch is you're always referred to as the name you gave, Hero, or They, which is something I enjoyed quite a bit. Number two, Blaster Master Zero Two. The Zero series of Blaster Master retells the story of the NES game, and by the gods, they make it work. 
As great as the first game was, the second continued to build on what it made and expand in directions that felt good. The graphics, the controls, and the story were all super enjoyable for me, and the only times I really got frustrated were because I'd forgotten about key mechanics. So, you know, kind of on me for those. I highly recommend the series. It honestly would have taken number one, if not four. Number one, Satisfactory. I never knew how badly I needed this game until my friend gifted it for me in mid in June. I watched some friends of mine stream this over Discord, and it looked interesting. Once I sat down and played it, it consumed me. From mid-June to August 1st, 420-plus hours of oh gameplay. Oh my god. I stopped playing FF14 over this. Oh my god! The game is a first-person <laughs> base-building automation game. You tap resources, you make machines to make stuff, and you use that to make stuff to make other stuff. You find iron, make ingots, ingots turn to rods, rods turn to screws, which turn to rotors, rotors turn to motors, you get it. I have about a dozen pages of formula and equations to math out the math for later stages <laughs> and base play and everything, and I just fucking love it, okay? It's about 30 bucks, and oftentimes it goes on sale for like 24 Go get it. It's awesome. Honorable mentions for the year. Super Neptunia RPG, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, and the Faerun Collection. Mm. Any of these would have likely landed on the list had I not played Satisfactory. Or if I was making my own top ten list instead of a top three. And with that, another year has come and gone. I welcome you all to the end times, where I hope you shall join me in eating the rich from a top god's desiccated corpse. <laughs> May your holidays be merry and your new year safe. Thank you, as always... Mm. Carmi, 400... Like, a game that makes somebody quit Final Fantasy fourteen. I did notice. Um, I thought he said quit originally. He said he stopped playing it. So right. He, he may go back. Well, obviously. But, yeah. that, like, he's obviously going to go back. I'm pretty sure he has yeah. already. But, but, but... Yeah, the words, I stopped playing Final Fantasy fourteen over this is powerful. That's buck-fucking-wild to me. You don't hear... Like, people don't stop playing Final Fantasy fourteen. That's just inconceivable. <laughs> That's just a laughable concept. And I, I can't believe I heard those fucking words. And hey, remember <laughs> Neptunia? Super Neptunia RPG gets a man. Neptunia makes a reemergence on, on the Sox camp. Barely. Just, just barely. Just barely. It got an honorable mention. Um, That's true. This remember is the only mention so far, isn't it? Oh, yep. Man. I mean, this is this podcast where it's one game of the year, like, multiple times. Yeah. With like, the... <laughs> Like, yep. Neptunia has had pretty good uh, showings in the past. The yeah, fact that we not... are in its latter days now and Aww. that it's not getting, you know, good games, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the I problem. Mean, you can't be on a game of the year list if you're not making good games anymore. With or even students. game this year. Yeah, there's no game. There's that VTuber game coming out that I'm not going to play. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It'll be on my Steam account yeah. for you to not play it. There we go. <laughs> All right, so you can play as Kazuna I in that one. That, you remember her? <laughs> Corone, you got Corone in it. That's she funny. is in there as like an attack. That's, that's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. All right, it's time, uh, Rat. We have okay. to break in the top three, and who better to get us started? Continue the cycle, Rhett. Give oh us God. give us a number three. Break us into okay. the sacred realm. Here we okay. are. Yeah, this is the sacred realm. Because like there is something about the top three. Because if we were, you know, the ones doing our listener lists, you these only get three choices. Yeah, like these, these would be it. it. So everything else would have had to be cut. Maybe we should and just I, do three next year. No, it's that'd make, it, that'd make it real easy to do the podcast it, though. 
<laughs> I don't no, know I need all ten. That's how I get into weird shit. Exactly. Like Wonderful One Hundred and One was not making my top three, but right, or right. Simple. But speaking of making it into the top three, I desperately did not want this game in my top three. Oh, weird. A weird thing to say. That's such a man. What a fucking weird year. So I tried out Mario plus Rabbids as my number three. And eventually I was just like, I'm just not feeling it. You just didn't like how it felt. It just didn't feel right. And this is what I meant where a game had some positives and some negatives. And I ultimately looked at the positives overall. Mm -hmm. My number three is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This game made me so mad by the end. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it made you mad for the same reasons it had me going. Yes. The thing it does is something that I should be down with conceptually, mm -hmm. but the way they do it just really rubbed me the wrong way. It's. I'm not gonna say it's elegant. It's but yeah, it's anything it but elegant. But mm -hmm. I like what they're doing. Just the way they did it and the yeah, way like I, I know. I know. <laughs> Based on when we're recording this, seeing Sephiroth just show up in Smash Brothers now <laughs> gave gave me the same vibes as this, where it's just like, you know, remember when Ridley was cool and then they put him as the final boss in like eight Metroid games in a roll in a in a row? And it didn't <laughs> really work anymore. Yeah. To me, Ridley is not really cool in the same way Sephiroth is not really cool I anymore. Think, I think we all had to have come into this game knowing <laughs> that this game was going to end with a Sephiroth fight. Oh, yeah, but again, it's it's not that they did that. It's the way it's in which they do it. It's absolutely stupid the way they, they so, shoehorned it in. So fucking stupid. But hey, I said I wasn't going to weigh out too much on the negatives. 90% of this game is <laughs> just fucking amazing. Yes. Like there's, I started like, the game and I got the, the when the opening credits played and they played like little bits of One Winged Angel over it and I was like, oh, I see y'all's game, you fucking <laughs> assholes. Yeah, I mean, he shows up so early as a flashback to Cloud where it's like, oh, like is there's like almost no Sephiroth in the original Midgar. Yeah. They they start dropping oh, no. it so early. Yeah. But anyways, ninety nine percent of ninety five percent of this game fucking so good this the nostalgia hit the level of care put into everything the fleshing out of all these minor characters from the original like there's so many of those those smaller characters like the shinra executives that you meet towards the end yes that, that will play a larger part in future games but seeing them fully realized as like human beings now instead of like characters yeah like that's really awesome excited to see how they do that and then of course like the jesse biggs and wedge Stuff. stuff like all of that is, is a delight so good i mean this is just repeating what like all the listener lists have said like the uh you know the honeybee incident yeah. scene the whole golden not golden sauce wall market wall market like moment of the year honestly oh, <laughs> that. like that the dance routine. We're the talking about routine. the dance routine. It's maybe the hardest I've ever been laughing I, with the game. I ever. was hyperventilating. Like I said, I was hyperventilating coming out of that because yeah. I was just, I was just eating it up so much. Yeah. And they, they play it. They play it so like it. It feels very considered and careful. Yeah, they took a thing that could have gone really bad. Yeah, and just fucking owned it and made it awesome. And Cloud and has a line. 
Cloud has a line. Oh my god. When he when you first hook back up with Tifa. Tifa, right. And it's uh, the delivery on that. It's line of the fucking year. It's like, something like killing it. Yes, I know. Moving on. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's so good. All the stuff with Don Corneo. Oh my and The way god. they intimidate him afterwards. <laughs> the way, like the guy, the person they got to play him is so good. Like they, they just, they're just wallowing in the filth that is that character, yeah. and it's so good. Yeah, it's like, and you knocked on the combat. I actually really loved the combat in this. Like the moments when it clicks towards the end, oh, yeah. when you're controlling three characters at once and like really switching between them and throwing off ATB attacks. Like, it's like, oh, I see what they're doing here. My like, issue with the combat is that aerial enemies can often become a oh, camera yeah. nightmare. That's it's my weird that big issue yeah, with it. That's a big one. It's the same shit as, like, the Souls games, where as soon as you get up close to a big enemy, the camera just starts spinning around. Yeah, it, it like, those are the things that really, honest, that, that's my big problem with the combat, honestly. Yeah. Just fix the camera, smooth it out a little bit, and I think you've got, like, a solid, like, you've got a solid action combat system. I feel like there's just some Japanese games where they're, like, refuse to make a wall invisible, so they just will never actually fix the camera. Yeah. That feels like a real intentional design philosophy. Yeah. But yeah, when the combat works, it's just incredibly oh, fun. Oh, yeah. It feels real good. I really like I really like that one new chapter where you go back up to the surface for Jesse mm -hmm. and like and it gets super advent children with that new guy <laughs> on the motorcycle. It's so good. Just... A dumb fucking motorcycle fight. <laughs> yep. It's real dumb, but it's real fun. And it is nice to see, you know, a little bit more of the upper plate. Yes. Because so much of the game is on the lower plate. Yeah. Like this game has this game has like skybox of the year. Oh where god, like, yeah. Just being able to look Ooh. up and see the metal pizza above you all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's just haunting. It's <laughs> so intricate and detailed. And it's just this thing. And then later in the game when you can look up and see part of that missing. Yeah. There's a part of the sector. Really... There's a part in sector five that's laughably bad, though. You can actually look down and see the seam where it's just a PNG oh. file. <laughs> there are some. There are some. Cut, maybe a few cut corners in this game. There's a texture on Cloud's door that just doesn't load. It's one fucking pixel. It's Stretched pretty wild. Out. I will almost certainly revisit this before part two comes out. Yeah. 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 But but. I will not be touching a single side quest ever again. No, the side quest stuff is like the yeah. rewards for it aren't worth it. They don't add they, anything to the story. They're, they're literal checkbox busy work because you have a fucking checklist to check them all. Yeah. So it's like, it's not just the ending that really soured me. It's yeah. also like, there are parts of this game that feel egregiously padded, but like they literally be... stop the story to say, let's go do side quests now. Yeah, so I think if you ignore that stuff as much as you possibly can yeah. and just mainline it, you'll have a better experience. Yeah. So yeah, I begrudgingly made that a top three game for. <laughs> That's <laughs> such a weird thing to say. Because twenty twenty, yeah, it's it's very good. Like that game broke my heart at the very end because everything the whole Shinra building is so fucking cool god the like, way they reimagined the, the Shinra yeah. building is it's phenomenal 
And they take what was like, you know, an insane set piece moment where there's like four bosses in a row in mm. the original game and the, they do all of it. Yeah. <laughs> they they just do all of it. Like you motherfuckers did motorball. You made motorball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wild. What a wild video game. It's it's definitely a wild video game for sure. Yep. Yeah. I did play the first forty minutes. When I that's, got when I got a copy with friends over, that's awesome. Be like, yes, yeah. the The pacing is a little weird, where it's like forty minutes is just the reactor now, yeah, or just the reactor, like up to the boss. The, the reactor itself, it it like that's they they made that opening mission so good. There's yeah. a lot of good banter, just mm. and that boss fight with the guard scorpion is super good. Yeah, again, like when it goes for it, they nail it. Like, yeah, just super absolutely. every time. It's just the side quests are just bizarrely bad. Yeah, they're bizarrely bad. And then a little direction towards the end I was not a fan of. Uh, yeah. To say the least. I'm I'm excited for what they yeah. do next. Like I'm still very, <laughs> very excited to see what they do next. Which is probably cut a ton of shit to Because <laughs> yep. when you think about where disc one goes from there, it's like Town, 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 like, town. And, and, and what they're doing, they absolutely have all the reason to be able to now. It yeah. feels like they very purposefully wrote themselves a way out of town, yeah. town, 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 town. Out of having to follow directly yeah. what the original game did. Yeah. Because they're, just the asset were, crunch would be insane. Yeah, I cannot imagine. Where this whole game is one town... To do like ten smaller ones would this be. This game insane. was like one town and probably cost a hundred million dollars to make. Mm-hmm. So, uh, John, the original game, the original game, yeah. the original game, the back half of disc two is just like, oh, you just Sephiroth was here, you just missed him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, here, you just missed him. <laughs> and the way it keeps doing that for like six hours is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Oh, are you asking my number three? Yeah, we, yeah. we want your We're number move it on. three. <clears throat> Obviously. That's got to be on here. I was like, John isn't going to snub this, is he? Because you talked very highly about it when it was on my list. I was wondering. <laughs> I was wondering. <clears throat> Absolutely not. I fucking love this game. Okay, cool. <gasps> Yeah, no, this game fucking ruled. I think I called Holy this extremely shit. early. It's like, this will be on John's top ten of the year. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is the most oh, John yeah. Oh, yeah, I played this game and I was like, oh, there's number two. I was just like, <laughs> it's like, yep, that's going to be up there. <laughs> it's just, it just, we talked about it. We said it all on Red Section. This game goes very fucking hard. And it just, uh, it's, I mean, like, I, I, Blew my fucking brain, blew my fucking mind with Gurren Lagann back in the day. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I already know that kind of thing resonates with me a lot. Um, the 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 big bad, <laughs> the reveal of the big bad, and how that whole oh. climactic confrontation blows uh-huh. up is so wild. Because you spend the whole game being like, "I'm the I'm the seventh general of the of the blah, 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 and then I'm the fourth general, the da 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 da, and then I'm second in command." Is an, is game is number eight. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "All right, who's number one?" <laughs> <laughs> and you get there, it doesn't disappoint, and it's also just completely 
Kamiya loving on all of his favorite games. It's yeah. so good. Um, also, there's like a fucking plot twist during the finale about the nature of the invaders and why they are doing what they are doing, which yeah. is, you know, it's not like if you've seen an anime, it's not going to completely blow your mind. But like in the in this context, there's like, holy shit, you kind of went for it. On, it's also kind of Gurren yeah, you went for it in another way that I wasn't expecting. Um, fuck the the not the final boss, but the final like the final exam boss before the big spectacle mm-hmm. final. Boss yeah, is so cool and good. Ugh, I can just picture it all in my head. And then yeah, every every beat. Every cl- every level climax basically before that point where they they still build up to the big moment and then they play the song and it feels really good every <laughs> single time. It's like every every other level climax just completely knocks it out of the park. Um, is sort of what I would how I would put it. And then the rest are still good. Um, the volcano one. <laughs> Holy moly. Um. I love I love Kamiya to bits. This I finished this game, and then this is what made this is maybe say it. I said, "All right, I'm probably gonna play Okami." Oh, <laughs> even though it's, wow! You, you owe that to him. I owe that to Kamiya. I think I, that I he has earned that trust. Even though it's a 35 hour fucking Zelda game. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Kamiya doing a 35 hour Zelda game. And I have a feeling I'm probably gonna actually have a good time with it because he just he just does it. He just makes the he makes the cool fucking climax. He tells a story. He mm-hmm. takes you on an arc. He does all the shit that we like in yeah. in our visual yeah. novels and yeah. whatnot. Don't get in big games because they always are, are like having to make like set like seven teams working on sets of assets at once, and then they're like they can't be like. Oh, this level isn't going to fit during the climax because of X, Y, Z. So we need to cut that. And they're like, we can't cut that. It costs ten million dollars. Yeah. Oh, I go. Hey, I guess we're. I guess we're fucked then. Um, or it's like, so, but then Kami makes it work. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of like big games they're looking towards sequels already. Where this game is just, we're going to make the one game and make it perfect. And finish the story. And I admire that shit so much. I admire the ability to look at Mm -hmm. something as a singular experience. You see the same thing with Ghost Trick. Is that, like, it was Mm -hmm. made very purposely like you're not making a sequel. Yeah. And guess what else does that? Fucking Devil May Cry. Knocks it out of the park. Singular Vision. Mm -hmm. Fucking Bayonetta. Knocks it out of the park. Singular Vision. Even Resident Evil 2 fucking knocks it out of the park at the end. It goes so wild for a PS1 art. Yeah, Yeah, it it really does. When you get that true end with the train, it's like, oh, fuck. Um, I'm sure Beautiful Joe goes really hard. Yeah, Beautiful Joe has a lot of wonderful 101 energy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that's a direct analog to 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 Wonderful One Hundred and One. Yeah, I think I compared I compared brought up Hunters as like, hey, here's yeah. a here's a um, <laughs> hobbyist game with the same energy. I think mm-hmm. like I came away from Wonderful One Hundred and One like I was going into it like, God, Kami, I just make some of my favorite action games, and then I was like, oh, I just really resonate with the voice of Kami, the storyteller, and I'm mm-hmm. being very auteur theory bullshitty, right? Which is right? Obviously, right. which is a kind of 
which is some, which is a little fucked. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard not to fall into that when consistently, even games made with yeah. different companies, different teams, they just have this energy, and they they thrill me and bring me along and f- leave me feeling completely satisfied in such like similar while also being different journeys in such similar ways while also being their own journeys. Yeah. Well, he's so consistent at creating that very same arc with all of his projects, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that arc is telling a complete just story. Just telling a complete story. It makes me, yeah. it just makes me so happy. I, I completely, I, I love his body of work. I love platinum. I love all of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to, oh, yeah. <laughs> Later, Clover. So I'm excited. Yeah, I've still got Beautiful Joe, and I've still got Okami. Mm-hmm. So I've still yeah. got two more. <clears throat> I'm out, which is going to be sad. Yeah, but and maybe he'll have another one. Yeah, like he's, he's he's still in the industry. He's still doing things. When he's not when he's not blocking people on Twitter. Apparently, they announced. Uh, I think one, they had a three like way too early. Yeah, it's that's like what it's three years like. now. Yeah. So maybe we'll see it next year. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's my number three. Polly! Yo! What's your number? My number three. So it's probably not hard mm. to whittle things down at this oh, point. Oh, right. right. There's so it's, much. It's just the order at this point. Yeah, it's just order at this point, probably. Um, my number three is probably the most recent game that I finished. Mm. Uh, yeah, my number three is... The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4. Um, God, number three. This game, like, it gave me everything I wanted out of the out of a conclusion to this arc. Uh, um, where I want to see this series continue going story-wise. Um, just, uh, these characters are very different flavor than the trails and the sky characters, but you grow to care for them just as much. Uh, old and new class seven are, um, such vastly different entities, but they have, um, such, such a, a monumental growth throughout the time that you spend with them that, um, it's just that Falcom touch. You're never, you're not going to go wrong when, when Falcom is hitting on all cylinders, even when, like they're dabbling in, in in tropes that might I, I might find kind of annoying. Um, even when they dabble in those things, they're not letting it get in the way of the main story they're trying to tell, at least. Um, uh, and all of that comes through so beautifully well uh, with this game. Uh, I I still like that 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 five that that five out of ten review still sticks in my craw because I, because <laughs> I because I don't know. I literally don't, I still cannot understand how you play a game like this, this entire series. I don't know how you play four games and say, I got nothing. I still, I don't know how you can play these four games and have come into this game in in particular and it delivering on the things that it delivers on in the sensible and smart ways that it does. And in the big, crazy ways that it does by the end, the things that where you're literally shitting your pants. Um, I don't know how you come away from this and say you got nothing. It may not be your cup of tea. You might not like it, but I don't say I don't. You can't say you got nothing. There's so much opportunity for you to find something in this story. There's so much of this story where it's easy to reach in and grab something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and, and a personal moment for me uh, in this game, and I'm saving it for the game of the year list. I didn't bring it up when, when, oh. when we talked oh. about it. Uh, this game kind of, I had a personal moment. Um, obviously, this is going to go back to the fact that, look, uh, guess what? It's been a real rough year. Um, uh-huh. And that leads to people not being in some of the best mindsets, uh, especially people who battle things like depression and, and, and anxiety and, and suicidal ideation. Uh, this is a game whose main, one of its main themes is sacrifice. Um, and um, there's, there, there's a character who had died earlier in the story, uh, and they had done so uh, in the name of sacrifice. They did it to save everybody. Uh, it was, you, know, you, you would look at that as kind of a heroic act. Um, and through various means, you end up actually being able to speak to this character again. Um, and... Um, they, they, you know, they're like, you know, I wanted to be the hero. You know, I, I, I did the, th- I did the thing that I did because I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to save everybody, and I also have a lot of regrets. And that, that uh, hit in a way, um, at eleven thirty at night that I wasn't <sighs> expecting it uh, to hit, because um, you you see the effects of this character's death on the characters throughout the story, um, you know. So it's obviously teaching, it's telling the story of like you know, it's it's not only about what you're doing to yourself; it's what you leave behind and the people you leave behind and what they have to pick up and go through afterward. Um, and at a time in my life where I've gone through some very hard. Uh, you know, m- m- mental issues and, and, and my own bouts of depression as of late. Um, the game kept hammering that. And I felt like I was just like, okay, I, I know I'm getting something out of this. It's a very deeply personal. And um, the reason I put it at number three um, is because there are two other games that I feel represent a happier place. Um and, and and that's sort of what I get from this game is that like you know the idea of sacrifice is bad and 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 while there's room there to you know have those feelings, um, it's finding ways to get past that and that's been a consistent theme throughout the Trails of Cold Steel series in and of itself. Um, one of the principal uh, uh, the principal character in uh, the second game speaks about. You know, not dying to protect something, but living to protect it. Um, and the way that it kind of got worded and, and, and turned around in, in Cold Steel 4 on me in a way that I was not expecting said something to me at a time when I really probably needed to hear it. So that's why it lands at number three, and I've chosen to put two games higher than it because they are things that make me happy and bring me joy. <laughs> and... uh I want, you know, like, like I think that Cold Steel 4 would be happy landing here knowing that I took that message uh, to heart. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of my Cold Steel 4 spiel, I guess. Uh, not to bring the show down or anything. <laughs> God. Uh, with apologies to that. I know this is supposed to be a, you know, a happy show, so... We will move past my bullshit and throw it over to our good pal, Rhett, who I bet has another listener list for us. I, I uh, do. Thank you, thank you for that, Polly. Yeah. I really appreciate Aww. it. Uh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> 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 yep. 
All right. Right. How about that list? Let's go. All right. Okay. This is this one comes in from Zalaz. Hey. Top three games in no particular order. Seabed. Paleontology Soft's currently only game has more in common with her Murakami novel than any of the Yuri I've read. Seabed is a colorful, surreal picture of love, loss, and coping spanning 20 plus years, as well as the equally beautiful and bittersweet world it all takes place in. Uh, next up, Higurashi no Naku Koroni. Hey! Heard of that one. I've heard of that one. With its fantastic cast coupled with still relevant discussions on mental health, mob mentality, xenophobia, and child abuse, these eight stories had me feeling every emotion as strongly as I've ever felt them. Experiencing June 1983 with the rest of this community was just the best. And third on this list, but not in any order, Afterward. Oh, whoa. <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Right there. there. Oh, shit. <laughs> Was not expecting to hear that name forever. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of stories provide an escape from reality, but this one embraces the coldness of it while still conveying an ultimately positive message. By the end, it had me reconsidering so many aspects of my own life and, wh and what I've expected from friends and family. And the honorable mentions. Silas, Her Lullaby, Her Tears Were My Light, and Planetarian. Whoo! Those are all solid. That's a solid list. Yep, I played, all right, I played everything on this list except Seabed, which right. I know <laughs> Seth had a really, really good time with this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy moly. Just fantastic. Man, the power of the list is so fire! Mm -hmm. right. Okay, I believe John has a listener list for us to partake in. I sure do. Mine is belongs to Toby. Hey! And... Hi, Toby. Thank you for joining in. Absolutely. I, <clears throat> I number one, Rose Seed Replica. A unique blend of science fiction and slice of life that borrows elements from point-and-clicks, dating sims, and visual novels to create something unlike anything I've played before. A mysterious event with an equally mysterious woman sends the two of you to a remote but pleasant space station light years from Earth and romance ensues. But this is a pretty literal description of the game. It doesn't really convey how odd and charming it is. It's a game that's just as interested in posing big philosophical questions as it is in celebrating sweet, funny, and caring moments between lovers. And it does all this with zero concern for hiding its aims in subtext. This can be very embarrassing at times, which is exactly what makes it so good. Embarrassment is the most powerful emotion because it exposes us, showing us who we really are. Confronted with sincerity as radically heartfelt as this, all we can do is submit gracefully. Oh, nice. Number two, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD. My favorite part of this game is that Link's childhood friend gives him shit about riding a pony too hard, and then like half an hour later, like an hour later, Link gets turned into a dog and gets ridden like a horse himself. <laughs> <laughs> Get Elf boy! <laughs> also, Midna is a wonderful character. The women Link meets in his travels tend to go out of their way to dote on him, but it's way more fun to see him subject to Midna's selfish whims and constant derision, even if the writers <laughs> eventually cop out and make her go Sundere on us. Excellent. Mm. Number three, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin. I love how inaccurate this game's assessment of what people liked about Dark Souls 1 is. <laughs> Somewhere... There's a bulleted list that serves as this game's design document that's like, knights, question mark, castles, bosses, open paren, lots, closed paren. Oh my god. 
That's very true. <laughs> anyway, the big brain argument I'll make about this game is where Dark Souls 1 is high fantasy, Dark Souls 2 is folklore. Weird little vignettes, unconcerned with continuity or consistency that doesn't really add up to anything in particular, but are fun the whole time. Also, the Fume Knight is the coolest boss ever. Dot, dot, dot. Natch. Thanks again for letting me be a part of this. Um, you can play Toby's games at itch.io. Um, they made Rena game and Family Mansion with both, which both both are out. really fucking good. <laughs> so game. thank you so much. Thank you so much for the um, for the list. Toby. I also uh, submitted my list to their game of the year uh, thing oh. that they're doing. So I didn't actually do that. Yeah, that, that would be um, rlka.itch.io. By the way, nice. All right. <clears throat> Okay, uh, Rhett. Oh boy, it's uh, danger zone yep. time. <sighs> we need a number two. Has putting a game at number two ever felt like a snub to you guys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has. It's brutal. It, it's brutal when you love two games so much. I, yep. I'm gonna pull this bandaid off. My number two is Thirteen Sentinels: Aegis Rim. Nice, oh. nice. It's. It's really good. Whereas, like, Final Fantasy VII, like, I was like, I guess it's number three. This one was locked the fuck in. Right. <laughs> this was, like, the top two just towered over everything else this year for mm, me. Mm, mm. Where this game just won me over so quickly and was so fun the entire time. And then the ending just... The ending was like living through the ending of Wonderful 101. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, yeah, it's literally living through the end of the Wonderful 101. Where, like, that's the very, like, playful cinematic version of that. This is, like... The, the high-stakes version. The real high-stakes, this is the shit protect Earth. Mash A to protect Earth. <laughs> Mash A to protect... Like, just the fucking high from that last, like, couple of battles. Oh, my God. They're oh, real good. Like, I, I said it on the pre- previous podcast where I talked about this, where it's, like, that indescribable, perfect fusion between the story and gameplay. Yeah. That, like, when it hits... It's, it's so good. It's and not, the music. It's everything. Yeah. It's not immediately evident. It's mm-hmm. not immediately evident. You ha- There's a moment where it all comes together and finally hits. Yeah. Just when everything is running at 100 cylinders yeah. miles per hour and they all come together and you just start sobbing as you're God. protecting Earth. <laughs> God. I never thought missile barrages would make me cry. Because of the slowdown. Because it's so good! I'm literally making my PS4 Pro smoke by throwing 500 missile attacks out and it has to render them all. I've seen people say, like, on PS5, I don't think there's as much slowdown and I feel like it's that might be missing something. Yeah! I think it it feels real good to see that thing chunk to shit. I'm on the regular PS4. It fucking chunks. Oh is, my god. Like, the last battle in particular was, this is gonna crash the system. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> aimed, I was literally trying. I put as many units out with missile barrage as I could and fired every single one of them. It's crazy. It's nuts. Oh, what a game. It's... It's a really special game. Again, it again, like I didn't even mean the segue, but like how like Wonderful 101 was designed as this one nail it in one shot. Yeah. Where like 13 Sentinels is clearly a game that's not going to get a sequel. No. Like they designed it as one thing. It's this really unique gem in a sea of, you know, 
sequels and derivative games where it's like, I've never played anything like this game. Yeah, like this and is... And that's super fucking cool. It is this weird, incredible fusion of, like, adventure game, visual novel, and... And, 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 and strategy. And strategy, <laughs> strategy! Tower defense! And, like, having the third pillar of that game just be the database and trying <laughs> to figure out what the fuck is going on. They make you care about the database. Yeah, in a way nothing ever has to the same degree. Like, I've spent hours pouring yeah. over everything the character data the the fucking terms the timeline yeah. i've like, read the whole thing yeah i've read it all like early on like i was spending as much time in there as yep. i was actually unlocking new story segments because i just wanted to have it in my head yeah how everything was connecting together that said i don't think all the character stories land for me some of them are great but then i think towards the end when you're kind of shotgunning a few of them yeah like some of them maybe some of them don't... feel a little rushed to get to the climax. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that was me the player rushing them because like if you had played them earlier in the story and you were yeah. less it's hard to say because it's entirely nonlinear to yeah. a point to how you approach this. It's ba- I mean basically there's 12 stories and then there's the one at the end. Yeah. But they very, very clearly mark off till the very end. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yo, you're not touching this until you've finished 85% of the game. It's it's something like, yeah, get 80% done with 12 characters, and you're like, oh, okay, he's he's after everybody else. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, some of the stories, like, there's the one boy who gets, like, in the time loop on the train. Oh, man. That yeah. one is so fun. Yes. Like, that one... Again, everybody says that about that. It's the one where it's like a character you didn't think you were going to like going I, into it. And then think it's gonna... one of the best ones. Yeah. Like, it, it, he's such a good character. Yeah. And just that scenario was so fun to play around yeah, with. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, what is happening? How do I escape this? And just having that microcosm little <laughs> vignette in the middle of this huger thing. Having his own June 1983 moment. Except it's like 10 minutes long, <laughs> if even. Yeah. How do I escape this 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Go back, do it again. Yeah, this game... This game has literally every single sci-fi trope ever. Yeah, like, it all works. Yeah, it's not like... Like, it's so genuine. This is just a genuine love of everything that they're incorporating into their story. God, that probably is... It's, like, it's probably more subtle than, like, the Kamiya stuff. Oh, yeah. But, like, this is very clearly, like, whoever... Or, I... We know who wrote this. George Katamaya. I don't know his last name, but like every, like the way they reference E.T. and Terminator and War of the Worlds, <laughs> yeah. like, and then all the kaiju stuff, like, it's very clear, like, strong influences because it's the stuff he loved and wants to Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 13 Sentinels, Ages Rim, it's fucking amazing. Great Fantastic. Game. John! Number two. <sighs> John is sweet. Right. for feelings. I mean, my feel. Mine was um. This is gonna be a slightly different vibe. Mine. My number two is. Planetarian: The Reverie of a Little Planet. Wow, this one made quite a jump from Jeez. having only read it like a month ago, maybe. I just I played it. And I was like, well, that was perfect. I did. That was, <laughs> yeah, like that's kind of the. That's the only way I could describe it. It's like it's a perfect encapsulation of what it's doing. 
the the I think it's specifically the vibe of coming off of a really big long visual novel mm-hmm. with all that sprawl that entails, mm-hmm. um, and then going straight into this like three hour long two characters all about their relationship, all about what that relationship says about the world that they're in, what that all says about our world, yeah, <laughs> and where things be going. Yeah, it's um, it's really heavy. Yep. Um Planetarian is just um the maybe strongest encapsulation I've seen in a story just like um that I can think of just off the top of my head of the idea that all the things that are precious to us and all the people that are pre- everything that is precious to us is transient yeah. and will eventually go away. Mm-hmm. And it confronts you with that just very directly. <laughs> um, and it doesn't really matter if you have an idea of where the story is going. It's, it hit me. I did. Cause I accidentally saw, and then I just it just completely got me Um, I think the best call they make is that they don't actually humanize the robot too much yeah Mm -hmm. Um, they consistently they're good about um, characterizing her as a robot with a sort of pre-baked um, view of the world and responses and the way she repeats things. It's also very endearing. Um, and the way everything plays out, they never dip into well, she's really a person and robots are people, mm-hmm. so that's why this is that. It, it, it's, she's, still just, she's still ultimately a robot. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the tragedy isn't like Oh well, really, David Cage? They were people. (laughs) (laughs) It's that she represents. um, She is an undamaged piece of a much kinder world that has long disappeared. Yep. Time of the story when the story takes place, Mm -hmm. and recognizing how fragile that kind of that 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 is it it hurts a lot (laughs) yeah it it's it speaks a lot to the world in which we live unfortunately uh and it's just like it you don't you don't expect to be smacked upside the face with that and expect it to hurt much because i mean if you're a cynical fuck like me you're just like yeah i know it sucks but then (laughs) But the way that they present it in Planetarian and, and, and the way you're kind of eased into what's going on and what its themes are actually saying, it's just... <sighs> yep, even makes even makes uh, cold-hearted fucker like me feel a little fucking <laughs> crazy. Feel, feel a real, real bad. Um, uh, and I think that's my that was my big takeaway, is just like, oh, what this kind of... And it doesn't flinch. No. Cause it does, it does. There's no warm takeaway. No, not at all. <laughs> because, 
because it just fucking ends. And there's there's something really powerful about that in particular, I think. Because, like, even, like, I can think of stories that try to just just take a little bit of the edge off. Like, even Shinseki Ori is one that I think we all love. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the very last scene, it's like, and now we're going to have a little nice message about hope or something. Just like, kind of, <laughs> just like really? Gonna have <laughs> is that to- where you thought the story was kind of going from? Is this where the story was Can coming I have from? Just a just a just a little crumb of hope, please. <laughs> just a little crumb of hope. <laughs> oh, I'm planetarian. Not a fucking chance. <sighs> nope. <laughs> uh, this, is my, this is my first key VN. Um and I got a friend who has played other who has played key VNs to play it. And then they say what I, what I basically expected them to say, which was um Boy, I feel bad for anybody that plays that and then expects other key VNs to be that sharp. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't expect like 60 hour clonad to be this nope. like airtight focus. Oh no. <laughs> but I, <yeah. laughs> I am um very jazzed for more of that voice. Cause I think because I, I know Stuyuki um greatly influenced Ryukishi, greatly influenced right. Nasu, yeah. influenced um people writers that I like a lot. Um, and I think I can just knowing what I know about Clanad and whatnot, I can see how those stories influence the other VNs that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am, this was, this was, even if none of them are as perfect as this, um, I'm very excited to explore more of that world down the line. Um, the, this was the, um, phrase that I come back to. It, it, it's like, um, I think the Japanese phrase is mono no aware, mm. which literally means like the pathos of things. Yes. Um, and it's just this idea of like impermanence and transience. Mm-hmm. And every now and then there'll be like, it's not something you see so much in Western media or stuff where it's just kind of hammering this idea in. Um, of just like, no, <laughs> nothing lasts. <laughs> yeah. Even even our lives. Or How our y'all lives feel are, about like, impermanence? <laughs> How y'all feel about impermanence? So I really like Planetarian. It's it's a good. It's also just a very good display of the power of short fiction. Yeah. coming right off of a, of a giant, of a huge, huge project. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. you, you know what will last so forever? Is, though? What will last you know, forever? The stars. <laughs> oh man! Fuck you! <laughs> they live I don't know what I don't know what they're referencing, Rat, but they literally won't. <laughs> I know, that's the unfortunate part. They will last longer than us. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Alright, that is about as my number two. That's Polly. good number two, man. Wow, how do I follow up? Your... How do I follow up well, your succinct so I... perfect I think you can. <laughs> your succinct perfect yeah. number two. That is that is as concise and brilliant and to the point as it needs to be. Uh, my number two is Higurashi when they cry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one kind of, I kind of, like, you had to know this one was coming, right? I thought it was coming a little bit higher. So <laughs> Higurashi is just great. Like we yeah. have exhaustively talked about this series on the podcast ever since I started streaming it, which. Like, the, the, it was just an idea I didn't even start out as, I'm going to stream the entirety of Higurashi. It honestly started as a joke. 
I was going to invite people to my stream and just read to them for two hours and then cut stream and that's it. If you had thought going in that you were going to do the entire series, you wouldn't have started. I would have done it. No, it, 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 it's not how this it's was too overwhelming. Yeah, it's just like that's eight fucking games. Are you kidding me? Like I did it as a joke. It's like when I did the uh, the, 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 the April Fool's um, Labyrinth of Toho stream and it was like it was just upside down the whole time and I never acknowledged it. <laughs> I was going to read. I was going to read the whole time. And not make a thing of it. I was just gonna. That's the joke. It's me. It's anti humor. That's my thing. Um, and then honestly, like by the end of the third stream, like oh, like we're about halfway through Onikakushi, I'd say is when I realized, oh, we're we're in this, aren't we? Like, <laughs> um, I I I I'd been sucked back into a, a world and fiction and and, and characters that were. Uh, deeply important to me uh, back in 2006, uh, and now others were interested too in what was going on, uh, and kind of being able to create an ex- that experience for like half a year to 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 give folks a a, a place where they could just go to amid everything else going yeah. on in the world. Uh, they could go to and 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 experience something with other people that was engaging and and a positive experience, despite the fact that Higurashi obviously tackles a lot of very tough uh, subject matter. Like you can't make child abuse entertaining. Like I can't sit there and read you a story about child abuse and be a streamer, ha ha, make a joke about it. I'm not. I I'm, yeah. I'm built different. Sorry, I can't like. Like I, I, I've seen people do streams like that where they can pl- do the the Satoko scenes and talk over it with <laughs> I'm funny, wacky man. Stories oh, about the, the streams about me. Like oh Christ. my god, like <laughs> I just, like you so know I made like the jokes before exactly. Whatever. Like we were make see we were making <laughs> trash can Satoko jokes. I knew what we were doing while we were leading up to it. I knew I was setting us up for a fall. I just didn't know how hard and how hurtful that fall would be for me as the person who had to present it. Because it was just like, as as you get deeper into Satoko's arc and you start seeing the trauma that she has to deal with and the ways in which she expresses that trauma, you, you it hits on a very deep disturbing and hurtful level that's too real uh, from having known people that went through child abuse and, and, and the like. Uh, and, and then Rena's story obviously being a story of divorce and somebody who blames themselves for everything that went wrong despite the fact that she literally did nothing wrong. Uh, you know, you your mom's just shit. <laughs> Pardon? Gotta throw that one in just for, don't forget financial abuse. Gonna throw yeah. that one in there. Folder. Financial abuse. Just, it's a story that tackles a lot of very complicated issues with a very skilled hand. Um, it, it's coming from somebody who knows how to write about these things, probably because of his time in public service. Um, this feels like an outlet, not only you know for the reader, but for him. It sounds like he was exercising a lot of demons with this game, uh, just to get them out. You know, to show that they're real. Uh, to share that with people because this game is kind of like it was only 10 years prior to when these games started coming out that Japan recognized depression as an actual thing 
Like, not just, like, something that, you know, you could wave a magic wand and yeah. say goodbye to, uh, you know, like, so, so it's tackling a lot of progressive issues in terms of, like, mm. mental health and, 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 and it does all of this while being an entertaining mystery uh, as well. And, and having characters that do have a lot of levity to them, that are fun to be around. Like, the, the, the club moments are just as important as the big emotional moments or the violence or the tension or the sadness. Every part of this story matters, and if one part was missing, it wouldn't work. Um, mm-hmm. For me, like... This was a chance to re-examine this big story that I'd connected deeply with uh, 14 years ago. Um, and I had to confront that fear of maybe it doesn't hold up. Maybe it's bad. And stream after stream, I was proven wrong every single time. As we dove deeper into the story and the, 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 the real emotions and issues... Um, that, 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 that it's hitting you with, um, I became more and more assured in the fact that like, Higurashi really is something special and it's coming from a really, a really, really good place. Um, a writer that's wanting to say something very, very positive. Um, and, and, and it's just like. As far as the experience as a whole, like after I the Somnium Files, I wasn't sure we'd ever be able to have another moment like that as a community again. Like I like that felt like an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but now that we've done it and sustained it for six months, <laughs> I kept those eighty-two streams. Holy shit! A hundred and fifty-nine hours and fifty minutes. We kept going that long and people still cared and people were still deeply invested by the time we finished. Like when we finished, like I had that feeling the very next night of like, I don't have Higurashi anymore. Like I can't just boot up a stream and we're there again. Like it's actually over. And it was a real, like it, 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 it was a good thing to feel that. I think that it's amazing that I felt mm-hmm. that because it means that, like, I was right all along and that this story is as amazing as I've always felt it was. It deserves all of the praise that it gets. It has been nothing short of amazing seeing so many people. Like, and this is weird to me because it's just like, I started streaming this in May. And right around that time, I just started seeing people on my timeline picking it up all over the place or people being retweeted mm-hmm. as just starting it too. Like, even... Just as recently as yesterday, I saw somebody else starting it new. Uh, it's 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 just astounding uh, that this is a story that's continuing to find its place in the world and is hopefully going to touch people in the ways that its author is intended because there's so much good uh, in this story uh, to take. It's not just the fact that it's violent. It's not the fact that it, it, it it's a horror story. It's the, the, the positive things it's trying to say about how we interact with one another, how we help one another address trauma, how we help each other out of really hard situations, how we look at mental health. Uh, I can't help but think that like those positive messages continuing to get out 
Like it, you mm. know, t- eighteen years after the first one debuted, um, I think he's got to be real proud of that. Uh, it's something to be really, really proud of to have written a story that means so much to so many people and is continuing to have this 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 growth years after the mm. fact. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just an amazing story. Higurashi is very special, and I'm glad that being able to revisit it again, like, cemented that. It wasn't just, like, a flash in the pan. Like, no, this is something that... It, it's not just a, a good story for a visual novel. It's just a fucking good story. Just period. <laughs> Put the period on the end of that <laughs> sentence. It's not... There is Ooh. no... There's no visual novel qualifier here. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, it's really cool that it's connecting with people now that the eighth game got localized. Like yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It took I, so long that I was worried that maybe people wouldn't care in 2020 when it was finally like, hey, you can read the whole thing now. Yeah, but like it, it's definitely picked up more steam since then. Yeah, it took a while for them to get to Matsuri Bayashi, and I think that them giving away Oni Kakushi uh, over the course of the year has kind of helped yeah. them kind of expand uh, what the, you know, like getting people into this um so yeah uh, it's it's weird though when it's it's like been so long since the original where it's like it's a new generation yeah like a li- literally a new generation of people like now there's the zo- it's zoomers playing Higurashi <laughs> yeah it's now. zoomers like, it's really weird it, it's weird but you love to see it yeah you absolutely love to see it and like i said if if, if this story is something that can make even one person wiser uh to what's going like to how people work or more cognizant of the things their friends might be going through or even find out something about themselves like i think that that's an amazing thing uh and this is a story that is just ripe to fucking do that so yeah higurashi it's pretty cool and it's your number two that's my number (laughs) two so where do you go after that well, we, we throw it back to me, of course, because I got I've got a listener list comes in from our very own Iffy. Good people. I don't know if you uh, I don't know if y'all know her or not. She get along you know, pretty wife, well. She's pretty cool. Wife, wifey for lifey. Wifey for lifey. Absolutely. So she got three games here that I'm going to I'm going to talk about for her. Number three is Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore. Shimigami Tensei is a franchise I've struggled to get into, but this game did it for me through its fun characters, flashy combat, and a colorful aesthetic that drew me in immediately. The amount of care put into this game really shines through the impressive choreography and its music videos and cutscenes, and the J-pop idol music was a lot more original and fun than I expected. Number two... The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Breath of the Wild. Oh! Switch. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> the, Legend of, the Legend of Zelda. Breath of the Wild. I didn't really expect to get wrapped up in this one. But the hype over the game's exploration was well-earned, and I found myself hunting down all the shrines and extra goodies almost unintentionally. Even the plot surprised me with how well-developed it was. This was a very original take on an old franchise that did a lot to freshen it up. Seems pretty she, got, 
She got really into this one. She did all the shrines. Yeah, Even she I didn't did. Do that. Yeah, I like man. She just did everything. Like that's wild. That's how you know that she's really into a game, though. It's like she will just go yeah. and fuck. Like she, she's seen the hours she's put into East Eight. Jesus Christ. And number one. Tell me if this one's a shock. All right, you ready? Okay. The Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel Four. I'm shocked. Absolutely stunned. I'm gobsmacked here. I'm I'm just speechless. <laughs> Is anyone right to the funny voice? Right to the... <laughs> Red has funny voice. I don't know why I was doing that. <laughs> it was good. It was good it was funny good. voice. I like it. That's my, that's my shocked voice. <laughs> like it. Is anyone really surprised? Eight games led up to this moment, and I was not disappointed in how it all came together in the slightest. I'm still getting over what happened in this game and what this means for the rest of the series, but what really puts this game on the top is the character development and how much I miss this cast like they were my own friends. Trails forever. Oof. Yeah, like, you definitely feel like you're leaving behind another group of friends when you... This game doesn't have that same third moment, but it definitely leaves you feeling a similar hole the next day. Or, well, I'm not playing Trails 4 tonight, am I? Huh. That's been where my head's been at for two weeks. We talked about trails, like post trails depression of like having those big games be over. It's so real, like, but like also this one being the final of the Cold Steel saga, like, it's gonna hit even more this time. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yep. it's they, they they did good. They did good. Ritz, I do believe hey. I do believe you have our final written list. I haven't checked my email in a bit, so there may be another one in there. Hey, you know what? It'll be fun. Go check your email. <laughs> well, at the end. At the end. All right. Okay. This one comes in from Lyanna Weiss, who had quite the list of games played this year. Yeah, the the list that she had going on uh, I, that I saw, the, the top ten was just, what? How do you decide this? So she narrowed it down to three. So, which makes for quite the list. All right, let's go. Number three, Undertale. <laughs> hey. Start with a game of the year, why don't you? Game of the decade winner. Game of the fucking decade. Uh, this game obviously needs no introduction, but it. But I'd feel remiss not to gush about how charming this game is. Every inch of this game is packed with incredible and funny character interactions that help define this game as one of the greatest of all time. Accompanied by a soundtrack that I just can't quit. Hmm. It's a game well-deserving of the zeitgeist it acquired, and I'm incredibly happy I finally got around to, well, after five years of putting it off. Solid. Okay. What's left? What do you do when your number three is game of the decade? Yeah. (laughs) Number two, I the Somnium Files. I played four Uchikoshi games this year, and as much as I loved the others, this was certainly the star in my eye. Mm. Between a killer plot, the supremely intriguing and trippy sinking segments, and an incredible cast of characters, not you, Oda, this, <laughs> this shapes up to be a wonderful experience that knows when to make you burst into a fit of laughter, how to make you ball, 
and when to drop the anvil and leave your mouth agape at the aftermath of a powerful revelation. Yeah. Number one, Xenoblade Chronicle Defe- Chronicles Definitive Edition. There you go. I honestly played this on a whim. I knew it was a beloved game by some beloved game by some, but putting but being my first foray into the series, I had no personal expectations, and I was absolutely blown away. The sense of scale this game game manages to pull it off is incredible, really making the journey along the way feel as big as it should be, accompanied by a voice cast that highly delivers when they need to really bring in an impact impactful scene to life. Man. You would think at, I know I'm I'm running out of fumes reading these, I'm sorry. You would think after all the hours I spent doing Oh my god, this one, I'm sorry. Oh no, this, you're having a moment! You're having a this moment! One, this, this line just took my breath away. <laughs> I'm going to start it over. Do it. You would think after all the hours I spent doing literally everything in-game, I would have been ready for it to end, but I was genuinely sad when it finally wrapped up because of the love that had flourished in me for this wonderful game. Oh. How do you do literally everything in that game? Oh my god. I can't believe that. That's, that's... Again, <laughs> again, Baller Scuba, 500 videos, and all of his videos are like 30 minutes to an hour long. That's that's a lot of game. That's there. a lot of video game. You got your money's worth, my dear. So that's her list. That's, man, that, that listener lists are on fire. And to close out our listener lists, we have... An audio submission from our good pal, Raven, the GM. Let us find out what she has to say in three, two. Oh, there's a little text intro. Oh, there is. Yep, yep, yep. There absolutely is a text intro. Happy holidays. I tried to make this short and sweet. No jokes about my poor editing, etc. Thanks for featuring featuring little old me in the group effort yet Again, no thanks needed, but your participation yep. is always appreciated. So we will hear what Raven has to say in three, two, one, play. Hi there, Raven here. These past nine months have been too long already. <laughs> Let's get right to my list. Number three, XCOM Chimera Squad. Probably the best twist in chemistry out of any game series ever. The same ragtag warriors versus overwhelming odds, but they give your little toys personality. And forget permadeath, lose anyone in action, and it's game over. The strategy of a combat order, instead of making it turn-based, makes me wish my old D&D games had fights that felt this exciting and tense. Number two, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Easy enough to say why this was an important game for a year of quarantine, but for me, it meant something I'd share with my partner who's not so much into video games. We both love comparing turnip prices, swapping flowers and virtual clothes, even though we're often sitting on the same couch. Sometimes we have fun just hanging out in the simulated beach making happy, flowery reactions at each other. And now, my number one a game I almost started this list with because I wanted to get it out first, AI The Somnium Files. Oh, I could fill the rest of this podcast with my (laughs) thoughts on this visual novel. Each character has a fully developed look and personality, both inside their brain and out. 
I just couldn't get enough of the surreal dream logic puzzles you solved to connect a string of bizarre murders. Oh, a game that's over way too soon. Okay, that's it. I played a lot of games this year. These are the ones that left a mark. Love you all. I hope you have a happy new year. Thank you, Raven. Fantastic list. Man. They were Wait, just, I getting more love right at the end. Yeah, just I the Somnium Files. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's it's such a good man. It's such a good game. <laughs> man, oh, so good. Um, God, now I'm gonna be sitting. I'm gonna be sitting on I and Thirteen Sentinels. God, <laughs> you got such a like like your rainy day stash is nuts. Yeah, there's That's so many rants games in there. <laughs> So that will do it for our listener list. And I want to thank everybody again. Uh, you all really came out in droves this time. We set a record. Like, this is the most list we've ever had. I think there was 27 lists, yeah. like I said. Uh, and we absolutely love it. We appreciate it. Hit us with 30 next year. 35. We'll do it. We're ready. <laughs> but, again, you all took the time to be a part of this thing that we do. Uh, the fact that you care enough to do that, the fact that you listen, uh, all of it means the world to us, that you like to come listen to us, hang out, or hang out with us of your own accord and contribute to things like this. And we look forward to doing more with you in the future when things like this can come up. So our deepest and sincerest thanks to each and every one of you that put forth the effort again this year. We love you guys very, very much. So with that out of the way, before we dive in, before we dive in, I thought we'd have a little fun and maybe talk about some games maybe didn't quite make the list. This would be a chance to kind of give a little give a little airtime to games that didn't make the list that you thought maybe, hey, you know what? I want to say a few more words uh, about that one, two, three, or four, or five, six different games uh, very quickly. John Thayer. Jeez. Talking to you specifically. John. <laughs> um... So, uh, so Rhett, let's start with you. Hey. Do you have some honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list mm -hmm. that you'd kind of want to give maybe a, yeah. a little more shine to? Yeah, basically I said at the start when I, I did a November version of the list and a December one and two games fell off that transition. Mm -hmm. uh, those two games were The Evil Within, mm. which is, it's a rough, messy game, but it left such an impression because it is this weird kind of broken extremely difficult with like annoying bosses but it, like again that made it super memorable and mm. that it is it is this weird behemoth of a game that's hard to really grasp the shape of really there's like, seven it, yep i did that one on purpose <laughs> I know. like it's a really unique game that like the sequel like by smoothing out all those rough edges like lost all of the charm for me mm. but like i i didn't enjoy <laughs> the first one but it was like it was like i'm really glad i experienced it if that makes any sense yeah like there are games that i can understand where having fun might not be the aim yeah because again it's not it's a horror game like yeah. it, for you're me, not it supposed wasn't. to you're not supposed to enjoy your time yeah but it, it is an experience uh the other game that fell off the list was ease memories of of Celsetta, mm. which was just it's just a very good comfy ease game. Like there wasn't a whole lot to write home about it, but like, I really did enjoy how the story played out mm. and 
the everything, pretty much everything about it. It's just very solid. Is but it's like you see how it's a prototype of Vs8, really. Yeah, and like obviously they fucking nailed it on the second go. Yeah. Oh god, uh, yeah, yeah. And then Sunshine Overdrive. I was like, hey, maybe if I'd played that a little earlier, I would have given it stronger consideration. I just don't think it was going to swing into the top ten. Yeah, but. When I was talking about it on the last podcast, I was like, man, I really did like you, that. Yeah, like, the way you talked about it, I felt like I just, it was maybe going to make a 10. I, I felt like that was yeah. a 10. Yeah. I felt my fe- myself like kind of lighting up thinking about that game. Like, yeah, that was a lot of fun, huh? Destroy everything! <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, like, it does have some weak points as, like, an open-world game, like... It does the one thing it does very well, but it doesn't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Like where I think Saints Row is much more diverse in ways it is insane. Yeah. But like Sunset Overdrive is really cool anyways. Yeah. So those are my honorable mentions. Cool. John, what about honorable mentions? What do you got? Alright. <laughs> Alright, so here's the one I was like really potentially putting on the list. Um Syrup in the Ultimate Suite was in consideration for a long time. Was surprised this didn't make it. I know this guy. I really love this one. Um, nom nom nami. Yeah, she's so good. Sweet. She's so good. Yeah, syrup two coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, uh, Ringman in the castle again. Mm-hmm. That the predecessor to Reggae Operation in a lot of ways. Loved it. Um, you and me and her a love story. This is on my to do list. Uh, I need to read this. Uh, it's pretty good. I, you should get the patch. I wish I'd known about. Yeah, it. I'm gonna get the patch. Um, uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I had a really good time with this. Yeah, you did. I was, I was this is really fun. I, I remember finishing like, man, if that had good writing, that would have been like my, that would be an all time <laughs> Like, literally, the only discourse about Coder 2 is, hey, we did this, but with good writing. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. I'm really excited for that one. Um, and then this one was, oh, uh, Ease Origin. Hmm. Uh, this might have been on the list if it wasn't that I just know that I've only played one of the routes yeah. and that there are two other yeah. yeah. I love that first route to death. I mm-hmm. thought it was a great time. You played as Unica, um, right? I loved it. Yeah. Okay. I loved Unica. I, I thought that um, this one felt like like it had kind of leveled up in maturity a little bit from E6 and especially Oath and Felgana. Like oh, It yeah. felt like it was moving a little bit from... Hey, Adol is the cool boy everybody loves. Yeah, it's it's definitely was- like like it's telling a more serious and into- like like it's not that East isn't serious in tone, but I feel that like the way that East Origin's story is being told is much more uh, grounded and, and 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 it has a more serious tone to it. Yeah, there doesn't really feel like any kind of you're the cool hero boy. Yeah, like, not at all. No. To it. You are actually the opposite like- of the cool hero boy. You are the nerdy new night girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody's like, are you sure that she can really... Oh, man, are you sure we're going to send her in? That seems kind of dangerous. She doesn't no. have magic. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that she just straight up can't use magic. She doesn't, she's God, she's almost like proto-Estelle in a way, where she's like, I don't need magic to hit things. <laughs> She's so good. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Intra- a lot. That and Trails on the Sky both feel like, hey, we're gonna kind of upgrade a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I and I love and I love that. I think you can see that going all the way up into like E's eight. Mm. Um, and then the list. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Nikki B spiral system game um, that I just totally adored. It's like three hours and it's just walking around this adorable clip art world, collecting things, talking to people and having really cool, really funny, good text mm-hmm. interactions. Yeah. And then the ending is legit. Really sweet. Nice. <laughs> it's like, what more can you fucking want? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to rapid fire. Um, I have my itch collection of 2020 games that I loved. <laughs> <laughs> I've narrowed it down a little bit. I'm going to say June Flowers, two RPG Maker games. Yes! Remnants, and, Lab- Remnants <laughs> and Labyrinth are like at the top of my honorable mentions list. Uh, I game- loved both cool. of these games. I streamed them both, yep, too. They were great. Them. Yeah. Uh, Slimes. Mm-hmm. This game is just... Uh, this game by SCD Dreamer, the person who did um, Fishing Minigame 2 last yep. year that we talked about a bunch. Um, this game is a punch in the face. It's visceral. It is just, it's b- b- just emotionally it and is, from a combat standpoint, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. It is extremely uncompromising. Yep. Like, it is, it is, it is like politically uncompromising oh, and progressive yeah. in ways that made me feel threatened, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a very good review of slimes. Um, Silas, of course, yep. games a delight. I also played Apollo's Realm by Thomas. <laughs> Apollo's Renegade Realm, yes. Uh, both the lights, just all of Toby's work. I've had mm. a lot of fun with mm. um, quad death core meltdown EX. This is the most fun platformer I played this year. <laughs> mm. um, if you want a fun speed game platformer in 3d, that's just like very nuanced movement. Um, I just had a ball with this. Yeah. Um, um, generally my friend Dillis has made a ton of tiny, cool action games, like huge steps, pew, pew, um, a bunch of little um, bitsies like Lair the Three-Headed Hydra. Mm-hmm. That's just a friend that's just been chugging out cool, consistently nice little games all year. Uh, Deep Dark Hunger by Asteroids Keeper is a really cool bitsy. Um, Golden Rays of Sunshine by my friend Saori is this Game Boy Studio game with a bunch of Final Fantasy oh, Legend yeah, tiles. Yeah, 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 I played this. Yeah, this game, it's so sweet. It's and really the- good. The way that the um, like it, it's just like it gives the impression of like, hey, here is this cute gay love story that happened on the edges of some giant RPG adventure that mm-hmm. you didn't see. Mm-hmm. It's like here is the intimate little story that happened on the side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, but definitely not leastly, um, Dandelions uh, by my friend Lotus. Uh, this is a debut game. It is insanely striking um it uses a it uses a combination of photographs and um hand-drawn art and some other kind of collage effects um to tell like sort of a love story sort of a coming out story sort of a an abuse reconciling trauma story Mm. um this snuck in like right near the end of the year um but this it is just blown. It blew me away, and it's blown away everybody I've seen play it. It is very touching. Nice. And yeah, that's. I think that's cool. The, the long and short of it. There's. I. I have other games by friends that I haven't played yet. <laughs> I have them up. Just like, all right, gotta Let's gotta get through these. Load them up. You got a break coming up. Uh, all right. Because I uh, more more so than. More so than ever, 
Um, I am just experiencing a lot of games made by friends specifically, and that has just been such a fucking delight. Isn't it? So much joy. Isn't it? Perfect way to stay it's inspired. It's so fun. It's, it's the perfect way to stay inspired. Yeah, absolutely. Every single one is just like, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, that's a jolt to the spine in the best way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feels good. Those are my honorable mentions. Cool. Um, mine, of course, uh, Remnants and Labyrinth, of course. Uh, those, those games were really great. Like, my reactions are forever um, for, are forever preserved on my YouTube channel. Like, I love those games. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to um, the, the, the uh, games by Sigyad, who uh, made the Sakuya Izayoi, gives advice and dabs, mm. and dab on darkness. Uh, those were fun because I got to do streams with Beepner. And anytime I get to do yeah. something fun with Beepner, like, him and I have, like, a really good chemistry, and he is just always... Like I want to do more stuff with him because uh, he's he's one of my favorite people to do stuff with. So those those have a very special place for me. Um, one that I did uh, obvious well, here's an obvious one. Obvious one is like led to some of the greatest horny moments of the year. Helltaker. <laughs> Come man. on, like just man, nobody else. Cute devils, cute devils in fucking suits. You got me. I'm sorry. Everybody played this. You're the only one to mention it. Yeah, I man, this is my entire jam. I loved it. I'm I'm better at a puzzle game than John. I beat the game better than did. John I, did. I, I had... It took me like three sittings. <laughs> oh my god! I finished this game in one sitting. John Thayer had to spend like thirty minutes on the last puzzle because he's no, it, way dumber than me. You know, this it could be John's game of the year, though. Oh, you got a point. It could. It could still show up. That chance is there. Uh, another game I had a real fun time with. I, I, I streamed it, and then I continued playing it all year. Um, Horizon Chase Turbo. Nice. Like, this game was super... Nice. This is a super fun arcade racer that I want more people to play. Um, once you kind of figure out the, the formula to how races are working and how the rubber <laughs> banding works, like, a little of the magic is gone. But this game's got aesthetic for days, and the driving feels so good. And I, I had just a great stream mm-hmm. um, when, with me, Sayara, and um, uh, Little John from the Discord uh, popped in. Uh, he's also uh, Elfino uh, on Twitch. He pops into streams sometimes as well. So, yeah, like I had a great time doing that. Um, Skate Master Checo. Fantastic <laughs> yes. little collage oh, platformer. Yeah. Like, if you want to sell look, man, that's the best $2 I've spent all year. Um like, like this game's two dollars, and it's like a an, a, an eight stage auto scrolling platformer with so much charm and art and 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 gimmicks. Like it's super good. Give it a go. It's really fun. I like this game a lot. Uh, and the one that caught me off guard was that Turok Remastered. Oh right. Hard. Yeah, like the first Turok. Like I played through this game twice. I played through it on normal, and then I played through it again on hard because I just wanted to play more of it. Uh, I went on to play Turok 2, oh. uh, which was... Le- I had yeah. I had fun for, like, the first maybe three-fourths of Turok 2. And then, like, the last area is just a nightmare of, like, box room puzzles and corridors. And I was like, okay, this isn't fun. Uh, but, yeah, like, like be experiencing Turok again, when the last time I played it was on an N64... Uh, and, then, and then playing it, like, in this new way, like, it was meant to be played. It had such a good feel to it. Like, it just felt good to race around those levels and do the platforming that felt like a nightmare on N64. Uh, to be able to do all that competently and it look really good and feel really fluid in motion. Like, yeah, Turok Remastered is super good. Um, 
That game looks gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's got a, it's definitely got a look. Like, it, it, it's not the highest, like, budget assets you're looking at, but it's definitely got a look that is evocative of that era. Uh, yeah, they took those assets, cleaned them up a bit, upscaled them, and it looks really great. Just, like, in action and in screenshots. Like, it's super good. So, those are my honorable mentions. You know what that means. It is time. It's time to bring a close to everything. Wait. I have a special announcement. Red has a special announcement. So, it? it is a feature we sne- I sneak in here every year. Wifey of the year. Oh! We got a wife of the year. <laughs> but uh, this was a pretty stacked year, so I'm going to actually do a top 10 wifeys of the Red year. Red has top 10 wifeys of the year. Yep. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna we're just going to list them by game, okay? All right. Number 10, Genshin Impact. Number 9, Genshin Impact. Number 8, Genshin Impact. Number 7, Genshin Impact. Number 6, Genshin Impact. <laughs> Number five, Genshin Impact. Number four, Genshin Impact. Number three, Genshin Impact. Number two, Genshin Impact. And number one, Genshin Impact. Goddamn, a clean sweep. There are a lot of wifeys in that game. And they're very good. They're very good, Polly. Holy shit. Holy shit. I had originally planned to do a Hibiki joke here, but I was like, nah, this game has too many fucking wifeys. Do you remember that tentacle smut I wrote about Mona? Yep. Man, it's real good. <laughs> <laughs> That's our special announcement. Okay. Wifey yeah. of the year. Wifey. I mean, I have one. There. You got I a wifey one, of the obviously. year? John, what's your wifey of the oh. year? <laughs> rants, 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 rants. Oh, I mean, my number one is obviously going to be still playing from rants. Right. She is, the she is so precious and good, and I love her Aww. so much. Mm. And she's just wonderful and mm. every, uh, deserves all the hugs. Mm. Okay. Uh, my, my, my mine would be High Prosecutor Justice uh, from Helltaker and and Mona. That's from, a good one. From Genshin Impact. <laughs> <laughs> good segment, Rhett. Well, Rhett, did you have yeah. a number one? Yeah. Uh, you have a number from one Genshin Impact. Official <laughs> from Genshin Impact. Yeah. Oh. And then, like, four other Genshin Impact girls. There's a lot of them. It's there very are. good. There's so many. There's so many. There's so many, and they're all so good. They all have tiny. Can you post a picture of the other one in the chat? No, I cannot. No. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Not a... we're, mid... we're in the middle of a podcast, John. Yeah, John. All right. All right. It's time. All right. It's time. So now it is time to. to, to... To toll the bells one final time. Uh, Rhett, what I need from you right now, I want you to count down from your ten from your ten, ten to two and give ten. us from ten to two and give us your game of the year. Okay. Number ten, Simple Gear X Drive Unlimited. Number nine, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number eight, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore. I forgot the Encore before. Right. <laughs> Number seven, One Shot. Number six, The Wonderful 101. Number five, Splunky 2. Number four, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Number three, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Number two, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. And... My number one is a number one and a zero because it's zero no Kiseki. <laughs> 
Man! Oh, wow, that one. I'm wow. like, oh, he probably sees this coming. I did but not. But I'm not sure. I didn't I, see Zero No Cassette coming. I literally never saw it coming. Wow. I, and just, I knew you played it. It just hadn't crossed my mind that you would put it this high. I just thought, like, okay, it maybe didn't make an impact. But I couldn't think oh, of any, no. But I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah. So I was kind of there, like on the edge of my seat. What could number one be? What could it be? And it's it's a zero. You started your list with a with a zero. <laughs> yep. And then you ended yep. your list. I did with not a zero. snub Thirteen Sentinels just to make that joke. I promise. All right. I was I hoping reali- that wasn't. I okay. realized it after the fact. I was like, oh, that's very clever of me. I'm very smart. <laughs> I've mentioned several times this year how, like, returning to a comfortable space in games yeah. has been very good for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it happened with E. Celsetta, and it happened with Yakuza 3, mm-hmm. but it all started with this one. We're just going back to this world mm-hmm. in a new in a new location, but yeah. and with a new cast, but still having those connections mm-hmm. to Trails the Third. Yeah. Just felt so fucking good, like I was just home again. The The... Like there's the moment in that game for me that uh-huh. that elevate like that it's like one hundred percent it deserves to be there on that moment alone. Like yeah. the moment. The gotcha moment. But it's not for me it wasn't just that, it was the entire It's everything. Game. Right. Like yeah, like the, the, the like, like through Cold Steel, I've come to actually really love the SSS a lot more. Like so like when I get to replay those games, I'm going uh-huh. to like I'm definitely going to replay the Crossbell arc um again at some point. Uh in the not the near future, but definitely in the future. So I, I know that I'm going to feel much more of a connection with the SSS than I initially did on Zero. Yeah, I think the localization, I mean the fan translation that GeoFront did, just they fucking knock it out of the park. Like it feels professional in nice. like absolutely every way. Mm-hmm. I just fell in love with this whole cast like right away, the whole location, like it being like uh this the country and trails in the sky Oh god, I'm blanking on what it's called. Liberal. Like liberal. Like it's a small country and then you come to Crossbell, it's a tiny country. Yeah. Like it's e- it's even smaller and more intimate where there's the one town basically. <laughs> yeah. And then a couple of outskirts and like so you basically explore the entire country in this game. Yeah. Like start to really know it and like but that one city, you know, you spend uh, significant portions of the game there. Oh yeah. But like yeah, I really loved how it's just these four characters that you have control of basically the entire game yeah and like how they work together how they grow together as a team and individually mm-hmm. and just everything about this game actually just completely worked for me and like when it really starts ramping up towards the end it was like agonizing being at work like i have to see how this what's yeah. gonna happen next like basically like there's a part towards the end that i thought was like the end kind of the end game <laughs> oh i know and where. then it, and then it kept going. Yeah. And then it kept going. And then it kept going. And then there was the whole final dungeon. Yep. Yep. And then, oh man, does it fucking, yeah, nail the ending. And mm. like, big ass Falcom final dungeon. I was like, yeah, I am here for it this time. Yeah. And yeah, just the, it's so unique, its position in the, as a game, because it is a new start and the sequel to Trails the Third. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is that power of, like, doing a really long-form media thing. Yeah. Like, how it can have all these mm-hmm. connections to a previous series. 
while also standing on its own as a unique thing mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have to have played the previous three games for. Right, right. So getting to come to this, having that experience was just awesome. And like, it's unfortunate that this never got, you know, officially localized and that most people skipped over it to go to Cold Steel. Yeah. Because like, to mm-hmm. me, this is the only way is to follow up Trails Third with this yeah. game. Uh, having played Cold Steel, like, the Crossbell stuff is very, very vital, especially once you cross that threshold in the Cold Steel 3 and 4. Um, yeah, that's what's so rough is, like, they really... It, I have hope that with the re-releases, uh, they're going to pick those up and re-release them, because yeah. those just got re-released... Those, those are getting re-released on PS4 and Switch in Japan. Yeah. So I have mm-hmm. to think that they're, like... There is vested interest in probably bringing those over since it sounds yeah. like Cold Steel has done really, really well for Nisa. So interesting. I have to think that the, that the, there's interest yeah. there. That's cool. For yeah. me, it's not just like that the story ends up being super important to those games. It's also just like consistency in like setting and game. Yeah, play. yeah. It's comfy. like you're comfy being back in Zamiria. Yeah. But I mean, like, literally not that it jumps to being a 3D game right away. No. Where, like, these games definitely look better than the Trails 3rd games oh, do. yeah, they do. Or not not the Trails 3rd games, just the Trails in general. The Trails in the Sky games definitely have, like, like a, a two, an early to mid-2000s look, whereas these yeah. have higher... These are, these are operating at a bit of a higher uh, resolution, yeah. so the sprites and everything look way yeah. better. It just looks a lot sharper, and I just think jumping to 3D at that point might just be a little jarring so yeah it just it's a smooth transition is what i'm trying to say yeah 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 like it just and and then again there is the story stuff like having there be payoffs from stuff in the third where it's just like yeah i cannot picture skipping over some of the stuff that happens in this game yeah and i'm mm-hmm. super fucking excited for zero or not zero yeah, for owl. A zero yeah, Owl is going to... Like, man, hopefully they get that out uh, soon. I mean, if this is already Game of the Year for me, what the fuck is that one going to do for me? Owl is nuts. <laughs> like, that game goes and it doesn't... Fuck, like, that is a game yeah. that went so hard that, like, after 5 streamed it 29 hours straight to finish it. Oh my god. Like, I, I literally couldn't do that. But, like, that was the one thing, like, almost keeping me from putting this in number one is, like, oh, but then it has nowhere to grow. Because, like... You know, <laughs> but like, so like when people make jokes, like the crossbow games are the best, I'm already like, yeah, but they're actually right. <laughs> <laughs> also, Tio. Tio is, is, is so good. You got it. daughter. She needs, she needs hugs. Give her all the hugs and give her all the she definitely Mishy needs plushes. a lot of hugs too, though. She needs hugs and Mishy plushes. And to go to that amusement park. Get this girl to Michelin Wonderland. Yes. So yeah, that is my game so of the year. Hmm? Geofront Translation, they're past the first editing pass for sure. Mm-hmm. So I assume that means they're I pretty think they're close. pretty close, yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's, man, that's a great, that's a great yeah. game of the year, Rhett. I thought this was... I thought this was immediately going to get blown out of the water by you putting Cold Steel as your game of the year. Hmm. All so, right. So are we moving okay. on to John? Yes, we're moving on. John, give us your number 10 to 2 and round it off with your game of the year. Uh, well, my number 10 is going to be 
I just want to have the list up so I can make sure that I'm getting everything right. <laughs> yeah. My number 10 is Toho Luna Knights. Number 9, Ocean Oi Atom Oi. Number 8, Xenoblade Chronicles. Number 7, Queen's Wish the Conqueror. Number 6, The Reggae Operation. Number 5, Rance 01, Quest for Hikari. Number 4, <laughs> Melty Blood Actress Again, Current Code. Number 3, The Wonderful 101. Number 2, Planetarian, The Reverie of a Little Planet. Ooh, and round us out. Number one is Higurashi when they cry. Oh, of course. Yeah. What? It would have been funny if I'd said Shovel Knight play. <laughs> 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 oh, I just, just kicked you from the call. I'd have just kicked you from the call and you wouldn't have got to say shit the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so dumb I forgot you read this. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wow, I've, I have no idea what John Snow. Oh, right. Yeah, I had no idea what yours was. So it was either um, going to be this or the new Meat Punks game. That was where my thought was. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't played the new Meat Punks oh. game. I don't. I, and I just, and I just was like, I casually liked the first Meat Punks game. I'm not like a super fan. Oh, um, okay, okay. I'm excited for the next one because it's like, okay, I want to see how this voice grows, and also I want to play the the version with Colin Combat. That sounds fantastic. Right, 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 Combat. right. That's mm-hmm. okay. Um, definitely Higurashi when they cry. No contest, Higurashi when they cry. Punch in the face. Yes, mm. absolutely, Higurashi when they cry. This is my favorite VN. Yeah. Mm. Man. It's, it's, it's just that good, y'all. It's, it's almost perfect. Yeah. For a 10, for a hundred hour thing. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, God, I, I think I feel like we said most of it in um, yeah. in in your bit here, mm-hmm. um, but that's sort of what elevates it over like trails for me is that because it's a kind of one person writing visual novel, it's allowed to be kind of a little more, um, a little more dangerous, mm-hmm. a little more real. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, trails dabbles in that, and it, it was like. And that was like really mind blowing. And then this just lives there. Yeah, like this. Um, yeah, uh, man. Just being able to live inside these characters' heads um, in a lot of unique ways, and especially when you get to the back half of the series, when we're getting to do that. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of suffocating places in this um, oh. series. Yeah. To suffocating brains to live in in this series. Mm-hmm. Like, I think um, Rhett mentioned Mayakashi just living in that head mm. for a whole game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just never getting it a was- break from somebody who's just completely on a downward spiral that is so far out of control that there's no stopping it. You can't. You can't look away at this point either. Yep. Yeah. Um,. I love all the I love all the arcs for their own reasons. Yeah, um, I've, I've mentioned Yurubushi being my favorite, but I love Meikashi. I definitely definitely really like Matsuri Bayashi. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the question arcs. I love Onikakushi so much. I love Watanagashi. Um, I love. I just fucking love. All, they're all great stories. They all, they're all they all represent something so yeah. unique and refreshing and different. Reading even though the fa- even though there is like a, a tragedy loop. They find mm-hmm. ways to keep it 
interesting at every possible turn. Like it's it you might get it like, yeah, sure, hearing about the damn incident and the five years of murder <laughs> yeah. thing. That does get to be a little much. But mm-hmm. this game that like this series does not repeat enough that it would be frustrating as a reader to like that you would want to put it down because it's repeating the same thing because every arc is doing something unique and interesting um and it's playing with the visual novel ideas of choice in such a fun way by just making every choice an arc yeah um i think that um, I think that it's it's a game that actually really benefits from the serial structure mm-hmm. in a way that I think Trails also does in the mm-hmm. sense that um, they go out of their way to make every chapter its own complete arc, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of serial stuff doesn't do. A lot no. of TV especially doesn't do is, yeah. is care about making each of those individual episodes compelling in their own right. Nothing is just here to serve the overall arc the yeah. overall time story it's everything is taking you on its own journey mm-hmm. um, everything in Tatarika yeah. Arshi um, Matsubishi it, it's all taking you on a journey um, and I think that Onikakushi was like kind of a brick in the gut oh. <laughs> that's how it felt like a brick in my gut after yeah. finishing that one Yeah, and then Watanagashi going right from that into this other story that felt like the climax of another large form, long form game. Yeah. Watanagashi. Um, and then knowing that there's so much still underneath all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just entranced the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. It just like, I, I think I, I think I complained on the last podcast where I was kind of like, the it felt like Mayakashi was the climax of the children's story in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, mm-hmm. and the Matsuri Bayashi was more about the grown ups, yeah, in a lot of ways and closing out those arcs. And I just cared a little more about the kids' arcs, so well, Mayakashi- because we spent five arcs with them, um, we come yeah. to like care about them way more. So when we're starting to dig into uh, the antagonist, um, and, and their motives and what drove them, I think that that's still a very good story. I think that. It, uh, Ryukishi did a very good job of fleshing that character out and making their circumstances and 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 the reasons they've done the things they've done believable and understandable. It's just when you've spent yeah. all of this time with the main cast, it's harder to care about that, unfortunately. And that's just going to be the nature of the beast. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. Rhett made a quip about me saying that my favorite bit of the game was the game six of eight yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah but i think just structurally um it makes sense that it like hits that high and then has to kind of like unpack that yeah for two more games and then especially when Meikashi is its own just amazing high yeah not Meikashi. well yeah which Mita. also Meikashi. um Mita Groshi. yeah yeah always makes sense um I made that quip, but yeah. I also do agree that I think the end of Sumi Hiroboshi is like the hardest I've cried at the series Man, so far. Reading it. They do such I mean, a good just, job. It's the yeah, because that's what after five games, the first time they break the chains of fate is going to be the one that just yeah yeah. It's like oh oh, this is the kind because you that you don't know that's the kind of story they're telling. Yeah, like we've uh, wanted this catharsis the entire time. We wanted there to we wanted there to be a chance, just a chance, 
And um, <laughs> Sumi Horiboshi is the first time you, you get shown that, yes, there's a chance. And that's sort of yeah. what renews the real protagonist's faith. And it's just like, all right, you know what? We can get up and we can fight again because I've seen that this can happen. Yeah. You mentioned how it plays with your expectations the whole time and then how for the seventh game, you're immediately like, well, <laughs> this one won't be a tragedy. <laughs> what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just like Pringles, uh, man. The way, like Pringles. All these, the way all these characters we love fuck up over and over and over. Yes! Like and and they fuck up, you know, they fuck up so gloriously, dude. <laughs> Whew, boy, they fuck up at seven hundred miles an hour. Just yep. like, yep. <laughs> they are teenagers and they fuck up real hard. Yep. Um, but this just completely owned it and completely earned all of its big moments. Yeah. Um, I just love this game to bits. I think it completely. I, I was very. Ha- I was also happy to. I was happy to enjoy this along with everybody else because mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that anime a lot. Yeah, but even, even as obsessed with Higurashi as I was as a teenager, <laughs> I think it, this version of the story has hit me a lot harder. Yeah, I think that this is the most potent form of this story. Uh, this is the version that I would recommend if you have patience. I still think the anime is good, um, mm. but yeah. I think that like if you want. Like the most, you know, yeah. If you want the the most potent hit of what Higurashi is, you gotta go. You gotta go in visual novel. You gotta form. go direct to the source. You gotta go direct to the source, man. Right in the vein. Plug you me gotta, in. Get, the, get, get, it, get it crawling under your skin, <laughs> and it will do that. <laughs> I love the anime too, but I do think it just misses the heart of the story a little yeah. bit too much at times. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's like what the story is really trying to say. And this is a, this is a story with a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really fucking love Igarashi. It is absolutely my game of the year. <sighs> yeah, like you can't argue so. with that. Yeah, I want to make a VN. I want to make another VN. VNs are good. <laughs> I like <laughs> making them. Turns out more VNs. More VNs. Let's all make more VNs. Let's all just make fucking VNs. Fucking rad. Red made a Holly. VN once. Red's made a VN. What? You made a VN once. I made a VN parody of Higurashi. No, you made an actual VN. I you don't. showed me it. Eternia. Have a one. Oh, geez. That was you like. Say? It's a visual novel? It counts. Red made a visual Wait. novel once, but I don't know if he's. I can't remember if he's released it or not. But I know Wait. I've seen it. <laughs> okay, anyways. Anyway. Is it my turn? All right. Yes, it is. All right. I will close us out. My 10 to 2 goes as follows. My number 10 is Silas. Number 9 is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Number 8 is One Shot. Number 7, Steins Gate, Linear Bounded Phenogram. Number 6, Valferis. Number 5, Hunt Down. Number four, <laughs> Celeste. Number three, The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 4. And number two, Higurashi, When They Cry, my game of the year. And this was this is the second game where I'm going to go to bat and say, please play this game. It is 100% worth your time. Uh, please go play right now 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this is the like the this game is impressive by the sheer fact that it even exists. Um, the story goes that Vanillaware really had almost no direction or idea for the first year or so of what this game was uh, or what it was going to be beyond wanting it to be time travel sci-fi epic uh, incorporating a lot of 80s sci-fi and anime tropes as references. Um, even deeper into development, the scope of the game was cut in half. And the Vita version got canceled. So, no, not the Vita. <laughs> so ju- ju- just to get this thing to the finish line. So this game actually kind of had become a bit of a joke among people who knew it existed. And Vanillaware didn't really help matters by just not talking about it. Uh, it was like, it wasn't until like the game came out here that I saw people talking about like, I, I don't remember seeing pre-orders for it. I don't remember any kind of promotion for it at all. Uh, so the fact that this game is here at all, and the fact that it is at the top of my fucking list <coughs> should tell you something. Boy, and, I remember you got so mad at one bug early on. Oh, yeah, when I got... You're it, when you're playing a Ziori, like, the food loop was not working Yeah, properly. the food loop broke. Uh, one of the one of the adventure uh, story, like, like, the adventure game triggers broke, and I couldn't progress the story. You got so mad on Twitter, I thought you were going to return the game. I'm glad you didn't. I was very mad. Like, things like that just bug me. Uh, especially when I'm just like, yep. I'm, re- I'm here, I'm ready to be into this thing. Why does this happen? Why did this happen? So I didn't even know, like, I up until the point that this game released, I still had no idea what it was. Yeah. Like, I had to ask Rhett, Rhett, what the fuck is this game? I know I want it, but what is it? And then he kind of had to explain to me, like, it's this thing where everything's divided up into three portions. It's It sounds bizarre to know that, like, the combat is one thing. The story is one thing, and the database is one thing, and you have to interact with all three of these to progress in the game. So I was like, "Okay, what is what is this garbage? What are you, what are you selling <laughs> me, Rhett? Um, And then as I played this game over the course of like two weeks, it was it just pulled me in and never let me go. Like I, man, just God, this game. There is a confidence that this game has that its development cycle would not have led you to believe it should have. <laughs> this is a story that is just unrestrained and makes almost no compromises uh, in how mm. layered it is and how dense it can be. It's not going to hold your hand and it's not going to fucking, it, it's not going to play dummy. It, it's not going to pretend that it's dumb for the, for you to get an easy understanding of everything. And I don't think that it's doing that to be obtuse. I think it's doing that because it's just, try- this is just naturally what this story had to be. Um, they made digging through a compendium of events, terms, and characters engaging and fun. They made me give a damn about tower defense. (laughs) They made tower defense. (laughs) They made a tower defense game so good that it two times, I fucking had tears in my eyes while playing it. Like, it's that fucking ridiculous that they managed to build the stakes around this weird little, like... And you don't you look at it and you don't even think much about the combat at first. It's just like, what is this? It's so weird and detached from the actual art style of the game. Why is it what is it? Did I run out of money? This looks like trash. <laughs> like, I it, just really remember you texting me when you first 
got to the combat and you're like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know. It seems kind of ignorable. You can put it on easy if you want. Yeah. Like you, and you and to be fair, you absolutely can. I went back and tried some fights on easy. Oh yeah. Just press a, if you want to <laughs> just press a, to save the world a bunch of times if you want to, but the combat isn't super hard to grasp. It's very simple to get into. It's fun. It's very, like, when explosions and things start flying out and, like, you destroy enemies and you get these big, satisfying flourishes of points that fly into your counter. It just feels, feels real good. Uh, I love every single one of these characters. Uh, and they are all my beautiful children, and I will protect them <laughs> with my life. Um, but, like, it, it's hard to think of anything that this game does wrong. Uh, there's mm-hmm. not a part, there's not a point where I was playing this game where I wasn't having fun. There's not a point where I wasn't digging what the story was doing. Um, it goes big when it needs to go big, and then it goes even bigger in the finale. Um, it's, it's just such an immensely satisfying journey that you have to put a lot of trust in it. You, because it's the way that it's presented and the non-linear way that it's structured, it's very easy to get a lot of terms thrown at you that you don't know what they mean or events out of order and you're kind of trying to place them where they're supposed to be. But you have to just trust me that this all falls into place and it makes 100% sense yeah. by the end. Even with as confusing as it can be from the start... Like he just yeah, it's a peak. and we all love Miwako. Like she is our precious daughter, and we will protect her with our life. Who? who? Miwako. What's her family name? Miwako. Is, a... Miwako is the chubby girl. Oh, she's right, the fr- right. She's the friend. Um, it yeah. is a, another but... thing. This this game has queer relationships that are respectful. Um, and it it was very refreshing to see these handled in a way that's not like. They don't go out of their way to make a big deal out of it. It's just, oh, no, these, these characters are just the way they are. Like, that's just how it be. Uh, the chubby girl isn't made fun of because she likes to eat sweets. She's not the ass end of a joke. She's one of the more, most endearing and sweetest characters in the game. Um, it handles a lot of shit, like, in a way that I look at coming from an, you know, coming from the Atlas imprint and going, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the persona people could learn a, a thing or two, but... They, they don't actually want to learn a thing or two, so that's kind of the problem yeah. there. Uh, whereas there's, like, just a genuine, uh, you know, like, positivity for different identities in this game and, 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 and respectful, be, people being respectful towards body types and, and, and all of that stuff. And um, I think the thing that I said uh, in, the, in the episode when we uh, talked about this game was that um, this game comes off to me as, like, uh, John felt that Zero Escape came off a bit cold um, emotionally, uh, and I can see why. That that like it's a very like that that game is very caught up in the science and mechanics of its world, and sometimes that's to the detriment of like m- more emotional scenes. Uh, I think Cer- Thirteen Sentinels manages to strike that balance perfectly, uh, and it doesn't bat a fucking eye doing it. And it, it's not awkward or stilted in any way. Like, this game, everything, every piece of this game that comes together, it, it feels where it is exactly where it needs to be. And, like, like it's a perfectly honed and polished machine. Like, I can't think of a reason, like, like to, to, to fault this game at all. 
I, I, I don't really believe in the idea of a perfect game. I think every game's got some <laughs> kind of flaw. I just can't find the flaw in this one yet. And believe me, I've tried to think it over. Like, what's, what, what is it that I don't like about 13 Sentinels? And I, I just can't put anything Jeez. there. So, like, when I think about Aegis Rim in, in the context of Cold Steel and Higurashi, like, I can think of legit criticisms I have of both of those. Whereas mm-hmm. 13 Sentinels is literally, like, I, I have tried <laughs> to come up with something to dislike about this game. And I can't. Like, I want to replay this again someday. Because now having the knowledge that I do, like, I want to catch those little moments that the game is hinting at, like, the entire time. Um, that they drop on you, you know, and uh, towards the later t- end game and portions that like, I-, I can't wait to have that experience again. I'm eager to play the battles again. Um, just 13 Sentinels, you just ram it. It's the fucking, it's the fucking tits, man. It's so good. <laughs> Put that on the back Beautiful. of the box. <laughs> it's the fucking tits, man. I was going to put, there's no such thing as a perfect game, but... <laughs> I literally can't find anything wrong with this one. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim is Hell my yeah. game of I, the year. Everybody, please go play it. Like I, I, I did. I, I'm stumping I hard. I did. I'm stumping hard for 13 Sentinels and Hunt Down this year. Like Those are the two games I want to see on next year lists. I want to see more of those. I want to see the. I want to see those two games pop up sometime. Because yeah, I think I guess we're the only ones that did Thirty Sentinels so far, huh? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I know Poncho has it and he's playing it, but he hadn't uh, completed it yet, and he didn't. He didn't want to rush to get it into. That's fair. Year, you, so. you don't want to rush this because it's a. It's very. It's so unbelievably dense at times. Yeah, you need. You got to take time with this and just trust. Trust that you're going to end up at a place that is really, really fucking cool. By the end, promise yeah. you, promise you, you won't regret it. Whew. So, it sounds like we're about done here. Yes, that is going to do so. it. <laughs> that is, is going to do it for your pals at the Sox Cast in the year 2020. It has been a fantastic year, and I can't thank you all again. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It's been a fantastic year for. The, the, the people us. supporting us and, yeah. and coming out and, and, and just like be, people have been unbelievably generous with their time between coming to podcasts, getting us lists for Game of the Decade. Look at this amount of love we got for Game of the Year. Aww. Yes, I can say without, a, without flinching at all that the SoxCast has had a great year. Okay. And That's we had people poured into the Game of the Decade podcast too. Exactly. And lists. Was in. that this year? Christ. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. So we have each and every one of you out there that listen to us uh, do the dumb shit that we do. <laughs> However regularly we can do it. Um and we 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 hope to see you again in 2021. Uh let's let's be good. Let's yeah, let, let's get to the end. Let's get We're to the almost end. There. Let's get to the end. We're almost there. Uh, everybody be good to one another. Love yourselves, love one another. I love the both of you. You are my heart. So, we're great, greatest, co- greatest co-hosts uh, anybody could ever possibly ask for. So, uh, John Thayer, before we go, could you tell the fine internet folks at home where they can find you? Smiling. That was very warm and nice. 
farawaytimes.itch.io. Rhett! I don't know. I'm trying to make a Simpho Gear joke, but I can't think of anything. Just tell them to play. Just tell them to watch Simpho Gear, Rhett. What? Watch Simpho Gear. There you go. And we will catch you again in 2021. Remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you. <laughs>